Hi, my name is Drew Campbell. You may remember me from such Mike Mignola's Art Facebook group comments as Nice, that's a huge box, and Sorry, I probably should have edited my crotch out of the photo. You're listening to the Hellboy Book Club Podcast. Nice. Reading Hellboy comics and talking to our friends. Hellboy Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. And I'm Danielle. We're back! Yay! (laughs) Thanks, Drew Campbell, for that great intro. Let's keep those intros coming. We love hearing your voices. Thanks for coming back, everybody. We're going to have a great episode today. We're still waiting on some responses to our Wild Hunt giveaway. If you subscribe to Mignolaverse.com and wrote a review for us under a username, please send us an email or message us on social media letting us know who you really are. Last chance. We will be selecting a winner next week. So, but if you are chosen and we actually don't know who you are before we choose, we're going to just choose again. Yes. So that's, yeah. until we that's get, what we're saying. Yeah. So Do it's, it now. It's the last chance to, to, to get the names in. Mignolaverse.com continues to count down the days till Hellboy Day. I'm really excited for this. Their content has been really great, so make sure to check them out. The week that you're listening to this is the week of Hellboy Day. It will be Saturday, March 23rd, so go out and support the comic at your local comic book store. Hopefully you can snag some of those free goodies that will be offered. Speaking of Hellboy Day, our buddy Ross Radke reached out to the community looking for ideas for his drawings. He's planning to draw 25 Hellboy illustrations from Hellboy Day until the new movie comes out. So make sure to follow Ross on Instagram or Twitter. That's Ross Radke, R-A-D-K-E. And thanks so much for the community. I thought it was really cool. Like, he asked for ideas and all these people jumped out with ideas. Some really good ones, too, on Instagram and Twitter. I was reading through the comments on there. And there were so many good suggestions. It really kind of warmed my heart to see everybody be like, oh, draw this, draw this. I want to see that. And one of the really good ones that I saw was somebody said, uh, draw a daimyo going into the pool after he killed all those guys oh i saw that you know comment. in killing yeah. ground and i was like man that would, that's a good little snippet be... you know to yeah. to pull out so you know ross actually told me that he's got his tentative list and he asked me if i wanted to see it and i was like no i just want to be i want to be surprised like everybody else so i'll wait on that but i think he's already got his ideas so looking forward to that also, make sure you pre-order those Hellboy tickets when they go on sale. We've got to really pump up this movie with the pre-sales. I'm excited. I'm checking my email every day. I signed up for like a fan alert or something like that whenever the tickets go on sale. So Yeah, I'm pretty excited. I've even got Kathy excited to go see it, too. Yeah. Like Drew Campbell mentioned, check out Mike Mignola's art on Facebook. That's a great page where a bunch of our friends hang out, including us. And I don't say this enough, but be sure to follow all the artists and writers of these books on social media. Most of them have great social media accounts, and they're always sharing really cool stuff. Makes me think of, I was, um, I follow Ben Stenbeck. He does the Witchfinder stuff. Yeah. And he drew, like, this Batman on top of a roof, but it's like a body horror Batman. Like, his arm is all big, like Akira or something like that you know oh, like wow. he's changing into something but it, it was so cool really awesome so anyway make sure to follow all those guys and before we get to the listener feedback i just want to say it was a crazy week off we had a lot of stuff going on and our pal craig mcknight who does the awesome raffles he was sending me some cool music to get me through the week and i've actually gotten to know a couple people from following online it's good to have friends and friendship while packing unloading and loading into the new house i also pass the time listening to interactive artistry podcast that our friend albert runs it's a really great show 
And I didn't know like all the stuff that they were talking about because I'm not into games as much as they go really deep into it. But it was still really fun to listen to. And one of the things I was impressed with is they had a very diverse group of people. Every episode, yeah. they have different guests and, so, and they have guests from like all over the world. It's not like here where you just get three dumb Texans, right? <laughs> trying to pronounce things or whatever. So that was a really great show. And I hope this is also okay to mention our frequent contributor and bestest friend, Max Drackbine, started a podcast called The Letter Hack Podcast. I found it on Podbean. It was really good. Yeah, I uh, I binged all the episodes that, night, that one night you sent them to me. It was really good. I was, I was, I don't know, I mean, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's just good to hear him ramble and go off. It was very nice, and the episodes are nice and short, too. And thanks to everyone who wished us well during the move. I actually got a few messages from listeners saying they hoped the move went well. It was really stressful, but our stuff made it here okay, including the Hellboy collection and our podcast equipment. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to move on to some listener feedback. Hey, you damn guys. Hellboy comics and talk. Matt Strackbine said, Hey, you damn guys. Right after the BPRD arc when Abe got shot, I had to stop buying comics for a while, among other things. I know it's a tragic thing to think of. The economy was in the tank, and the company I worked for was doing layoffs and cutting salaries. In fact, because gas prices had shot up at the same time, I began riding my bike to work, over 20 miles round trip. Needless to say, I had to tighten things up, and my budget did not allow for comics. These were dark days. I wrote a letter to Hellmail about how messed up it was that when a guy couldn't even afford to buy his comics... Though I should note, Dark Horse always did a good job of keeping their cover prices as low as possible. Some time went by and things started to look up, at least a little. I was starting to budget for comics again when my local comic shop contacted me and said I needed to come in and see the newest BPRD letter column. A fellow reader, a librarian I believe, had seen the letter I wrote about times being tough and sent a reply. He mentioned the inter-exchange program between libraries and that they were carrying graphic novels more and more, so if anyone was short on funds, like I was, they should check out the local library. Not only was that letter printed, but editor Scott Alley kindly asked readers to make sure I saw the particular column and offered both of us signed comics from Mignola himself That's as a so reward. Cool. That is super cool. Yeah. That is pretty awesome. Win-win, and proof that we readers have a strong community. This is a long way of thanking you for keeping that community alive with the book club. I've since embraced my local library and promote them regularly. Yes, awesome. I know you guys do too, so thanks for that as well. As I write this, it is Will Eisner Week at libraries across America, so rest assured everyone, graphic novels are indeed available at the library and free at that. Hashtag libraries, Hellboy comics, yeah, socialism. That's great. Awesome. Yeah, so we've talked about that before with the Hoopla app and checking out your local library. So apparently they do carry a lot of the Mignolaverse books, so be sure to check them out. Yeah, I, uh, Check them out literally. See? Yeah, yeah, check oh, <laughs> good one. Uh, yeah, I know what it's like to go through like cycles where you can't collect. And, like I know there's been probably like three or four different times where I just had to stop collecting. And actually, I'm in one of those stop collecting days right now. But right. now with like, you know, Comixology and Marvel Unlimited and... I uh, really need to check out the library thing too, but uh, it's like I wish I had had some of this like resources back in the nineties. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, 
I, I think it is this room. Yeah, so I'm probably going to cut most of this out, but we're basically figuring out that the sound might be a little off as we get used to recording in this new place, because in the old place we had carpet and curtains up and all, and here we don't. So anyway, I'm no. going to go ahead and go on. So if the the quality is not great you know please excuse that we'll we'll figure it out it definitely won't be as bad as i lost the johnson episode yeah <laughs> really right don't remind me brendan carter said hey you damn guys seen a new podcast episode downloading on the itunes app every week completely brightens my day Aww. the book club had easily become my favorite podcast you guys have even helped inspire a project i'm working on Thanks for all the hard work and love you three put into making this podcast. It's a thing of beauty. Yeah, so thank you for that. And just a side note, that's like, super cool. Do Wait, a project. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm interested to know what. What Bre- project he, are he you doing? He didn't say. He didn't yeah. say. But maybe we'll be hearing that soon. Definitely let us know let whenever us know you when do. That, yeah. Or yeah. if you're we'll be waiting happy to plug until it. the project yeah. is completed, that's understandable. But tell us that too. Yeah, yeah. and it's good to have. You know, I have like a nine to five, and this is something that I do in my yeah. extra time. But I really enjoy it. It's it's fun to put stuff out into the world so yeah yeah do that stuff yeah i look forward to uh recording this podcast every week and then um seeing the interaction with all the uh fans throughout the week it just kind of you know brightens my day i mean you know not that work you know i mean just white you know you know what it is yeah you know, yeah is going on and then all of a sudden you look down and somebody comments on some hellboy stuff and you're yeah like, yeah <laughs> it's nice Chopper Johnson said on Facebook, I've fallen a little behind in my Hellboy BPRD reading because I'm currently mainlining all 28 volumes of Fables. You've read Fables, right? I have read a lot of Fables. Okay. Um, I need to. Get, I would love to get back into that one, but I haven't read it in a long ass right. time. But like, You've yeah. told me that it's really good. And I really liked The Wolf Among Us, that video game. Oh, that was yeah. based on the Fables comic, right? Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know about the video game. Oh, really? Yeah. It was good. Cool. But this week's podcast sparked a couple of series recommendations that people might be interested in. First, I think I've read all the Hellboy crossovers, and yes, Beast of Burden is the one that really jumps out. It led me to the first two Beast of Burden trades, written by Evan Dorkin and painted by the amazingly talented Jill Thompson. It's about a group of dogs and a few cats trying to save a small town of Burden Hill from all the weird things that go bump in the night. Also, Phoenix and her crew hopping freight cars reminded me about Rock Candy Mountain, an eight-issue series from 2017. It's basically about returning from World War II, being a hobo, engaging the devil in fisticuffs, and evading the FBI, all while searching for hobo heaven. The Rock Candy Mountain. Amazing, crazy read. The last has a strong BPRD connection because Gabriel Ba was the artist on BPRD 1947, and he also did one of those Hellboy Mexico stories. But he also did a 10-issue Eisner-winning series with his brother Fabio Moon called Day Tripper. It's about a day in the life of a Brazilian journalist as he goes on vacation with his college roommate, sees his father's funeral, goes through a divorce, is late for the birth of his first son. I won't tell you what every day has in common, but it's a beautiful story. Even better, all of Day Tripper and Rock Candy Mountain and one volume of Beast of Burden are on Hoopla. So here's the library connection again. Awesome. Loving the podcast as always. I need to get caught back up to y'all. Good luck and have fun moving. <laughs> and speaking of crossovers, Matt Strackbine did an awesome Hellboy Dwight mashup based on that conversation. And you can check that out on our social medias if you missed it. Oh. I liked how Hellboy was answering the phone. He's like, Dunder Mifflin, this is Hellboy. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> when I read it, I definitely heard it in Ron Perlman's voice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to try and do it in Ron Perlman. <laughs> <laughs> 
Colin DeGraff said, had surgery on Tuesday and having this episode to listen to while recovering has been a great pick-me-up. Oh, That's wow. the second yeah, one that wow. feedback that we've got people recovering from surgeries hope, listening to our show. Doing all right. Before anyone asks, I'm fine. Oh, good. Just good. a case of Ogdruhemitis. Okay. The doctor said that I'd Masu Setabara in 1012 Eta MS. Weep, mortals. All right, all right. No, seriously, we're, I mean, we're glad you're all right. I hope your recovery is going well, and uh, we're glad that we could yeah. assist yeah. in some way. That's very like nice. That. That's nice. Drew Campbell said, every time you guys talked about liking Devon in the past, I cringed, knowing what you now know oh, about no, him. Oh, no, yeah. He's an asshole and a coward. Terrible. Plus, he's dumb as hell for believing the fucking black flame over his own teammates. <laughs> That almost makes him worse than the Black Flame. He's Kill Andrew that. Devon. Oh, well, Ooh. I don't. Well, I wouldn't go that far. And he says, well, maybe that's a little harsh, but still, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy for sure. <laughs> On the subject of art, I was also super sad to see Guy Davis leave. BPRD made him one of my all-time favorite artists, and I've tracked down almost everything he's ever done, including a story in an, oh, wow. an, in an anthology book that's written entirely in French. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. He says, Google Translate, here I come. Uh- and as has happened with other few artists, I didn't immediately see how incredible of an artist Tyler Crook is. But once again, I eventually mm. realized the truth and have become a Tyler Crook devotee. I recommend the graphic novel Petrograd, which he illustrated about the murder of Rasputin. And his and Cullen Bunn's Harrow <sighs> County is absolutely essential reading. Seriously, everyone needs to read it. Like, for real. And I've heard a lot of people talk about Harrow County, too. I've really I have the couple of the first issues, but I didn't read much beyond that. But I think um Mark Tweedo has also said it's a really right. good series. And Techpat De Sequoia, he said when Devon extends his hand to Abe, anyone else notice what's missing? Here's a clue. It rhymes with I'm sorry. Oh yeah. Yeah, because he oh, yeah. never even he never said he never apologized for any of that. Matthew Boyne said, so my wife and I had just had our second child. So congratulations. Oh, hey. congratulations. Congratulations on the baby. Y'all should name him Anung Unrama. Okay. All right. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> so this episode is interesting timing, but I really like the story. I like the human element of it and how tragic it is. The fact that the woman's grief is being fed off and her desire to have a child takes away all rationality is just tragic. The desire to have a child seems to be more important to her than the child itself. Such a cruel ending to this story. Mm. Abe has arguably his most action hero worthy story and then at the end the last thing the reader sees is yeah he's brain dead no more abe sorry yeah and jason abaddon said one of my favorite runs we get to see the throwdown between shanshen and the ogdruham talk about cinematic confrontation born again in the matching story and gods and monsters are my favorite short stories the Ogdruhem is so creepy because it talks i think we only see talking Ogdruhem when they've taken a human host I think they're too alien otherwise to bridge that gulf of communication. Hmm. Nameless horrors, no matter how huge, can't compete with something both intelligent and utterly inhuman at the same time. Yeah, so I didn't think about that. That is the only one that ever talks, I think. Hmm. Sometimes they they have that weird language, yeah, you know, but I don't know that we ever see them try and talk but you mentioned that last week how you were saying how it's like it's translating into english yeah. like rough like it's like a rough weird yeah but i think that and this is <laughs> this is like this headcanon thing yeah. <laughs> that we talk about for me the way that i experience that as a reader is i imagine that it would be something that comes from like within you almost or like alongside you right and, you know what i'm saying like 
how do I do it? You know, Trent Reznor described it in The Warning as um, the way it spoke to us. You felt it from inside. Oh, that kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. As though it's like not really speaking a language, but it's sort of like has a way of existing something. that is different from yeah. you. So it's doing what it can to like bridge the dimensions that right. are not there for you it's like a weird like you can't perceive well that's what jason abaddon said yeah. the gulf of communication yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. that's what i'm i totally agree with that like the perception is probably something that is yeah extrasensory i like thinking about that yeah i was actually listening to our podcast the other day and we got to that part and all of a sudden something clicked is i don't know if you guys have read hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy yeah uh but it's the very beginning when the vorgons Vor- vorgons whatever the hell they're called right. they come in to destroy the earth to make way for a hyperspace bypass they talk to everybody but it's like everybody would hear it in their own language yeah, yeah, yeah. so you know we would oh, hear it in english right. exactly somebody in france would hear it in french and it was like kind of coming yeah. from inside right. their head do you think gods would thing. understand it probably and stuff like that you know what i mean like you're perceiving it yeah but you're perceiving it in a way that you didn't know you were able to perceive things it's almost like you know you're a little kid in school and all of a sudden the loudspeaker comes on for the first time you're like what (laughs) (laughs) who's talking yeah yeah he says you guys were talking about the position of phoenix in the story f-e-n-i-x i think that's probably a legal thing to steer clear of the dark phoenix and disney marvel copyright problems also i sort of hate phoenix at this point he says <laughs> my, yeah my, i mean my dream team is hellboy and classic nick fury they'd be drinking smoking cigars and kicking nazi ass <sighs> Some of the best early Hellboy gags were him trying to use secret agent tropes like the Zinko jetpack. Wait, um, wait, who in? Who are we talking about? We were talking about crossovers. Yeah. And he, Jason Abaddon said Hellboy and classic Nick Fury. Hellboy and Nick Fury. Well, Daimyo like this, and like Fury. This, oh, that would, be, <laughs> that would be good too. Yeah. I'm thinking about this now and it's all I can think about. <laughs> I'm thinking about... <laughs> How about the three of them? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I'm thinking about the three of them going on a fucking camping trip and running across some bullshit. Like that's, <laughs> you know what I mean? I guess Venture Brothers already kind of yeah. covered that a little bit. But then, what was the thing beforehand that we were just talking about? Phoenix. Yeah, I I also want to go back just and to say, how did we not think about just the are we such fucking marks that we didn't even think about like oh yeah it's probably a copyright thing right like no reason we're like trying to get into the like etymology of this and it's like no we just didn't want to get fucking sued man yeah honestly i mean (laughs) i don't think you can copyright the word phoenix though no 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 no. but i mean having uh, like a hero that's like yeah a female character but she got red hair and stuff you know on a completely weird side note i don't know what i was watching or look or seeing but i saw phoenix spelled f-e-e-n-e-x sometime this past week oh weird and i was just like how freaking random is that (laughs) to show up oh anyway but hater and also like the your idea is a good one that would be good. Anyway, continue. Sorry. <laughs> My interjections just keep getting more. Regarding BPRD monsters, I wonder how powerless Liz is here and just how much she's freaked out after, you know, destroying much of the world. I think she might have burned her way out of those ropes. Remember, I was like, how did she get untied? But they're mm. not burned. Right. Her ropes aren't burned. Huh. She's a, she's a fucking secret agent. She can do shit like that. She can like take a guy out while still holding groceries. Right. Those, I think that no, she's capable. He's going to of... talk about that too. He says uh, one of the other questions he had was Liz sleeping with those two yokels. I'm not judging, but she's apparently not employed, and it seems like she's running the household. Also, I think she's recharging her batteries after the whole burn down the world stunt. 
That's probably why she's sleeping all the time, too. It's definitely a Jerry Springer situation. Honestly, my question and answer is I no, didn't... she's not sleeping with those guys. I, you know, what's but weird I is asked... I didn't even think about that. I was like... Yes, when he... definitely not. She's her roommate. You've never had roommates? Are you kidding? So weird. Maybe she has, like, secret agent monies or something. Because Hellboy mentions in this story that we're about to read that his credit cards are probably at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. So I wonder if she yeah. had BPRD credit cards. You know what I mean? Groceries? Well, yeah, well, because he's saying that, we like, that? well, that's what Jason Abaddon was saying. He was saying she's not employed, but I think she might have that. Yeah, she's a secret agent. Yeah, she might have government monies or something. UN monies. For sure. That's like the, the uh, relocation money. Hmm. But they would be able to find her if she's using a credit card. She mm. definitely has cash. You're right. She has a stash saved up. Well, I mean, she could have even also, like, used the credit card and withdrawal a shitload of cash and then just drop it there and then... You know, right. they tracked her in like Nebraska, but then all of a sudden she's in Kansas or something. Who knows? But she has I've a been... bug out bag for sure. Liz yeah. has yeah. a bug out bag. But um, I, I've been thinking about this. I don't think she's powerless. I think I think she is just kind of recharging. Right. I don't know. Maybe that's just me being hopeful because I don't know why. I really <laughs> like Liz. Liz is one of my favorite characters in the whole series. The other things I wanted to mention after listening to this week's podcast for the third time is how no new artist could have made a more kick-ass entrance to the series than Tyler Crook having Liz bust that guy's damn jaw and not drop the groceries. Incredible. Lastly, I love how Danielle went from, ah, oh, it's Devon, to fucking Devon, that asshole. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Seriously. Matt Strackbine said, this episode has the quote of the week from Danielle. You cannot fucking work with someone who's saying, hey, I think you're trying to cause the apocalypse on purpose. Yeah. Who would want to work with that person? For sure. <laughs> Jason Abaddon said, yeah. That's a, that's a what's it called? Uh, that's a... Uh... Hostile work Hostile environment. work environment. Yeah. And Jason Abaddon also responded. He said, yeah, Devon would not have fit in during the Hellboy days, would he? <laughs> no. no. I mean, he see him pop those horns one time and he's all like, ah. He, see, it was a total swerve for me because like when he started out, it's a very, right. uh, what's it called? When you're sympathetic character. Kind yeah. Of thing. yeah. And so this is a total swerve mm-hmm. for me. There was no, I didn't get any hint that it was gonna go that way i thought that maybe he would end up developing into kind of like a something cool instead of that yeah it just reflects it reflects real life in a lot of ways (laughs) it's just like oh i thought that guy was all right turns out that he's just not right (laughs) and damien wright said so glad i found this page do you guys know where i can find images of the seven princes of hell in the book i don't know that they're ever explicitly named or labeled but i think in the I think in the library editions, they do... Um, Is it just meant to be some sort of a very, oh, grandiose way to describe things? I think so. In the library editions, there are sketches. I actually have this wallpaper. I don't know if it's okay to share because like, it's just a fan-made thing. It's oh, not like an original thing. Right. But I do have this really cool wallpaper on my computer that's somebody put all those sketches together oh, to show all the different demons or right. whatever. Anyway. Well, and it's... um. It really feels like like uh, it started out as maybe a thought form landscape aesthetic, and then right. now they're like, "Oh shit! Well, we said there was seven of them, so uh, maybe we should <laughs> do that." I'm sure that um, somebody, I'm sure somebody's figured it out, sure. or somebody throughout it, it's probably mentioned. It's not just not one of the things I've been keeping track right. of. I'm just trying to think about like how I would go about something like that. I'm not right. saying that that's what they 
right. did. They're probably geniuses <laughs> who had this whole thing planned out from the start, you know. And well, and they've got uh, Scott Alley keeping continuity. That's what I'm saying. The continuity. He would be the person to ask. The continuity boss, continuity manager. But I've, you know, if it was me working alone, I'd probably be like, I don't know, just throw throw something out there, and then later I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> I have I to actually draw this. Who are those people? Yeah. When we get to Hellboy in Hell, maybe that's explained a little bit more. Maybe it is, John. Maybe it is. Maybe, Maybe. it is. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to move on to our book club for the week. This week we're going to be talking about The Storm and The Fury. We're going to start off with The Storm. Together with The Fury, it's the third act in the trilogy of Hellboy stories drawn by Duncan Figredo. Darkness Calls and The Wild Hunt making up the first two parts. Due to fan reaction to the delay in the middle of The Wild Hunt, the final part of the trilogy was split into two three-issue series. The storm served as the first half and the fury as the second half. So I didn't know that. I guess there was like some fan, like people were mad that there was really? a long break. You don't say. Yeah, you don't Fans say. were mad about something. I've never heard of such a thing <laughs> in my life. But yeah, there was a break. So I guess they knew they were going to need a break in between of this. So they gave them different names. All right. Um, so well, that way people didn't have to wait for in the middle yeah, of the like, series. Yeah, they're like, well, technically, yeah. we gave you the story. Mm-hmm. And now you're just waiting on the second story. <laughs> yeah. They go together. That's pretty good i mean like when i read it i honestly didn't even notice where break would have been <laughs> yeah it's between the uh, i'll show you where it is that's a good name too because yeah. it could be a whole name for something the storm and the fury well like, and that I, sounds like a and and we'll talk about this a little bit more at the end but i was talking to aubrey about it because it was kind of coming out with gods and monsters yeah, too yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. there's gods and then there's monsters and they were two separate okay. stories and yeah. then there's right. the storm and the fury so i like that very good the Storm was published as a three-issue miniseries from July to September 2010. In the collected version, there is a short epilogue after The Fury. A special black-and-white cover of The Storm Number 1 was made available to members of the BPRD fan club at the 2010 San Diego Comic-Con. And that issue goes for a lot of money, that um, black-and-white cover version. Oh, wow. We open in England, and we're at this church... They call this Pastor Bill, right? But I don't know what his name, what his last name is. And he's there with an officer. And I like how the, I noticed the officer's wearing like the, like that's what the English cops wear. Like that's like well, that's kind what of they uniform. are, right? Yeah, but I just I like that. <laughs> I, I just like that. Uh, that attention. It it just reminds right. me as a reader that. This, He's you know, paying this, attention. Yeah. This is where they are. Well, it's, yeah. just, it's about setting. This is the first page. Yeah. So they're trying to give us exactly what we need to know. Right. All in one. It's. A, I mean, it's. It's. Um. I keep coming back to this, but if you're a good storyteller, yeah, you're gonna do what it takes to tell a good story. And telling a good story means okay, you know, let's right. place the reader in the setting so that they're totally submerged into this world. Yeah. You know I mean, and that you're you're saying that that's like part of it. Well, for me, like I, I feel like the story more than some of the other Hellboy stories that we've read is more framed in the real world. Yeah. Kind of like the BPRD stories. Yeah. There's gonna be yeah. more interaction with what with real people i guess so that's real what people. right off the bat you know the story is letting us know that yeah. that's what we're doing but honestly it's not though because it ends up kind of transitioning into that well we'll get that later but the very first panel you can see that the wind is blowing yeah it's, it's very beautiful the way the clouds are drawn or and colored um are very like you know exactly what kind of day this is right you know exactly what it feels like it's very just a great mood setting thing like you can it's and it's little things too it's little little lines little shapes little subtle colors that let you know what's going on like 
how would you draw wind? Little curly lines? No, it's leaves blowing through a town. Right, you know yeah, what I mean? It's yeah. you know what I mean. That's what when I was uh, coming up reading comics, I really appreciated that storytelling aspect that some writers and some artists could achieve. And then sometimes I would look at comics and be like, I don't understand what's going on here because I'm such a visual right person. So it's like a very um, that really has informed my the way that I draw, the way that I think about drawing. Right. And yeah. so that's something that um, when you, boy, when you get a good storyteller, you really get a good one. Yeah. You can really tell. It's so great to have Fagredo back on yes. the art for this series. This is almost like an anime yeah. kind of a, like just the angle, the angle that right. we're looking at these people. And I could easily see this series, these books right here being animated in that same style as the what was the batman anime thing oh um something like that maybe shit. a little less severe batman anime which one it was um shit. it was like a bunch of different stories and they all had oh, these, like, oh, animation Knight. styles yeah. gotham, gotham Knight. Knight or something yeah. like that yeah. but like i would i would love to see just kind of a i'm trying to think of like a really good well obviously um well, I'm not really saying much of anything anymore, but I, I guess what I'm saying is I can see this is a really clean, could could translate into a really clean animation style. I also want to add to your whole thing is also the... the whole, uh, no, no, I, no, it's a whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, wanna, I just want to add to add to your... Because yeah. it's very well said. Uh, but the panel layouts itself, like where it starts as this half panel uh-huh. and then like this kind of quarter and just it the way this going, yeah the way oh, the, the yeah. panel is laid like out it kind of comes in on itself so you yeah. feel like you're in a, a tomb and a vault kind of an area right. you feel like enclosed in there because like if you were to see like a let's say like a, a marvel or dc book like this first panel this first panel would probably just be the whole page or yeah. something like that right you know but then you don't need a full page splash it depends on who is yeah, yeah. And yeah. so it's I, I agree that like even the um the way that your eye follows the page, we've talked about that before. Oh, yeah. 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 That is very well done. It ends up leaving you fit. Just look at the way that every the like you were saying, the panels are shaped. It kind of all mm-hmm. your eye goes way down here. Yep. Yeah. All yep. the way to the bottom right corner. And anyway. yeah, and uh I really like the way all this is laid out. And basically the father is telling the cop that all these bodies have gone missing. William Harvey and Peter Green, they were with Henry V at Agincourt. All these knights have been missing. The Battle of Agincourt was one of the greatest English victories in the Hundred Years' War. It took place on October 25th, 1415, near Agincourt in the county of St. Paul. England's unexpected victory against the numerically superior French army boosted English morale and prestige, crippled France, and started a new period in the war during which the English began enjoying great military successes. And Henry V was king during this time. Basically, all these bodies have been missing. And I looked all these guys up. I couldn't find any historical reference for these names. And the father says that he just went out to smoke for a few minutes. And so the cop's like trying to look around. And the father says there were there would have been full suits of armor in there. Is he saying the father? Is he a father or? I don't know. I don't he's like he... a he's like a priest. Oh, he's or a priest. Well, oh yeah. Okay, they call him father. Okay, sorry. Isn't that what I they forget? Call him? No, I, I don't know. Yeah, that that, that is. Uh-huh. Do they in? But what is it in England? They're in England, right? Yeah, Do I don't they know. Call them that. Well, I mean, I, I guess it's probably Church of England, but I, you know, I think that they copied a lot from the count. Catholic Church. I don't really know, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. Church of England do that? I don't because know. It was a, well, he's a he's an English priest, I guess. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, you know, the priest, no idea. pastor, preacher, father. 
<laughs> I know that the Why police guy to... is called a Bobby. Is that true? Ah, good job. Well, I don't he know. calls him. Officer. Don't tell me good job. That's probably just. A <laughs> well, he calls him officer from like the fifties. Anyway, the officer says, "No marks like you'd see if they used a pry bar." Don't suppose you have any ideas, and we reveal that Hellboy and Alice are there in the pews. That's and a good so reveal. I, I like this because it sets it up like it's going to be one of these X-Files intros, yeah. but then they turn in Hellboy and Alice are right there in the thing they're sitting there. I say that was, that was a really cool thing. It's just, do-do-do-do-do. Oh, hey, guys. Because <laughs> like the way that Hellboy's sitting, he's like, yeah, we're just chilling over here. Right. <laughs> you he can said, almost see the camera panning right. to him. Yeah. And he says, I'm with you, officer. Thieves. Really strong ones. And he's like, oh, yeah? And you just happen to be passing through town when this happens? Hellboy's like, it's okay, Bill. Yeah, we were just passing through. And yeah, I well, because st- he starts in. Right, He's yeah. like, ah, oh, hey. Yeah. And Hellboy's like, no, it's okay. I like that. It's a power move. It's a total power move. It's okay, Bill. Yeah. I've got control of this situation. Sure. <laughs> I like it. And he says... um, that he's known Bill for a long time, since that thing with the headless nun back in 62. So we haven't read that I guess yet. that was a little before your time. Oh. <laughs> it's, he's still in with it. He's trying to kind yeah. of like take control of this And the situation. officer's like, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've got my card. You'll call me if you have any ideas about this. And as he's walking off, he's like, headless nun. <laughs> Good day, officer. And Alice, uh, she says, the unopened tomb, who's in there? Bill says, Sir Edmund Dawes died 1422. His family saw to it that he got this place of honor, though it is widely held that he was a traitor and Ah, sold out his soldiers to the French. And then we hear, forgive me, right? And it's like he's telling Hellboy that, right? Because Hellboy's the new new rightful heir. Oh, he could pardon him. Right. That's what I think is happening. Yeah, that's what I thought was happening right there. Imagine you're that guy and you're trying to keep it together and then you hear all these dead ghost night voices and you're just like, come on, man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Bill, he asks Hellboy, you know, you've got to tell me what's really going on. And Hellboy just says, you were robbed. So he's not letting in or any of this stuff. Yeah. I didn't tell you what I... I'll tell you what I didn't tell the cop, Bill says. When I came in last night, I saw someone going out through the back door. And it wasn't burglars. And we see the knight just got up and walked out. So... You know, they were, I guess they were called. It's a good creep factor there. Yeah, I really like that. I imagine it like shambling, you know, out the door or whatever. Bill says he knows something's going on. I wish I could help you, Bill, Hellboy says. Like I said, we were just in the neighborhood. And now lying to a priest and me knowing him all these years, Bill says. It was nice meeting you, Reverend, Alice says. You too, dear. Hellboy, Bill calls after him. Come on, the least you can do is buy the old man a pint before you go. And Hellboy says, sorry, Bill, we got to get going. Plus, I quit drinking. Now I know you're lying, Bill says. And he walks off. And Alice is like, what the hell? We come all the way here so you can talk to him. We find out the noble dead of Britain are rising from their graves as promised. And what? You don't tell him anything? Hellboy was like, I was going to. What's he going to say? He knows something's going on, Alice says. But he doesn't know what. Bad enough you and I have to know that. And Alice says that dead knights keep walking out of churches. That's the kind of thing that gets on the news. A lot of things in the news these days, Hellboy says. And what about this no drinking? You're serious, Alice asks? I've done more than my share, and more since I quit the Bureau. She asked him if he thought it was a mistake to leave, and he said no. It was time to go. And I had a pretty good time in Africa. I should have just stayed clear of the ocean. And I love these Fagredo um, yeah, versions. Yeah, what happened? From the island and the third wish. I really love this panel with the 
that mermaid's about to yeah. hammer the nail into him. He says, I floated around for a few years, eventually washed up on an island somewhere. And the first thing I did was climb into a rum bottle. And we see all those flashbacks. And I like this one where Hecate's, she's like, and we are the agents of, and he's like, blah, blah, blah. He's like chugging the bottle. Yeah, that was like, I, I was cracked out laughing when I read that. And then he says, then a whole lot of other horrible stuff happened. And this bottom panel reminds me of Into the Silent Sea, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Okay. So this kind of blew my mind a little bit because the storm number one was published in April 26th of 2011. Into the Silent Sea didn't come out till 2017. Huh. So like, I don't, oh. I don't know that I remember catching this panel. Wow. You know, maybe when I saw it the first time, I was like, oh, I guess we don't even know about that. But like, they did know. Yeah. Isn't that weird to think about? It that, is. Yeah. Okay, so but it all fits together when you're reading it like this. So so now that you bring that up, I you know I I just reread through Seed of Destruction all the way up to Storm and the Fury, and we don't really know any about what he did in Africa. He said he was there and he had fun, but you know we see like that Makoma story. But I feel like it's like he's in Africa and then all of a sudden he's leaving Africa. Right, right. So I was like, I feel like there's a story missing there. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. I wonder if they will go back and fill that out. Hellboy says, couple years later, I made it back to England, moved in with Harry, and I climbed into the bottle. Then one day, I sober it enough to go out for a walk. Boom, witches. I love that <laughs> panel right there. And so he's talking about everything that happened in Darkness Calls. Then that thing with Russia, and it's cold, and there's skeletons. And when I get back, I have to run to Italy to take care of that other thing. And so that was that other thing was... Uh, uh, Brom, Broomfield. Bromhead. No. Bromhead, Bromhead, yes. You're right. <laughs> Good job. Then I move in with a couple of more ghosts and start working my way through their wine cellar. And so those were those two sisters that he was at at the beginning of The Wild Hunt. What you've been through, nobody could blame you for having a drink, Alice says. Yeah, but too much, Hellboy says. If I'd been sober, I might not have accepted that invitation to go hunt giants. But then you wouldn't have turned up on my doorstep, Alice says. And how'd that work out for you? Pretty good, I'd say. And she kind of hugs his arm, and he's like, "Yeah, I really like this moment. Yeah, it's a nice moment. It's a, it's I think sweet. It feels somewhat shoehorned in. Really? I guess, but that's not the fault of the writers or the artists or anything. It's just kind of my. I guess I haven't really been in that headspace for these characters. Right? Yeah, that is so interesting. That's sort of. I just. I'm, I, I'm not saying it's a failing on their part to not put me in that headspace. Right. I'm saying I just wasn't there. I'm I'm gonna have to agree with you on that because I mean while I think it's sweet and, and I'm you know fine with it but I just wasn't I never thought of yeah, these characters fine. like no, right I'm not like I oh just, no I just never thought of these characters like that I was like oh that's kind of out of nowhere for me yeah. but I don't know if, I mean other people obviously feel differently and that's totally yeah right you well, know everyone reads a story well, their the, own the, way you know, I guess there's something that's coming up later that I'm like hmm right 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 well we'll get there and I, I I guess I had a different read on it maybe I just am more drawn into these shipper kind sure, of yeah, things yeah. or whatever that's what i'm but, saying that's what i'm saying but you know i like this idea that times of like hardship or whatever can lead sure, to these yeah. you know everlasting relationships you know and it yeah. actually made me think about both of you right because like i basically graduated from college and i didn't have anywhere to live yeah. and so aubrey was like oh you come live on my couch and like i didn't really know you that well y'all were but working then, together is what but happened. Then, yeah. well and he got me a job yeah i didn't have a job i didn't have an apartment aubrey who i just knew through another friend you know became one of my and then here we are 20 years later yeah. you know, yeah. we've been best friends you're 
best man uh best man at my wedding oh. and stuff like that <laughs> here we are doing this podcast together and then uh danielle too i met you at a job that was not really the greatest job yeah. and you know i worked there basically too long and you know if, but if i hadn't had that work experience you know we wouldn't have met and all that kind of stuff so i do like that kind of idea of um you oh, know yeah. these these weird circumstances lead you to get connected with people that are, end up being important in your life no, I like that too. Yeah, yeah. You, you came to live with me when, like, my relationship at the time was falling apart. Yeah, <laughs> so it was <laughs> all like, "Here, come stay here," and then it was quite a crucible. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that was. Th- those were some. Those were some tough times. Almost twenty years ago. Aw, and like I'm, like I'm saying, like I'm not, uh, I'm not like anti this sure. situation. I'm just was just like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the thing that's happening now. Uh, all right yeah, yeah. i mean that's how i felt yeah I mean, it's, it's fine just, it's yeah. fine and alice also says and you wouldn't be king of britain and he's like that's true and i like His that face the face there is great yeah <laughs> and i like that the proof of my being king is at the moment wrapped in a stolen hotel towel in the back seat of your crappy rental car <laughs> you'd think a king would travel in more style <laughs> the juxtaposition of what's happening in this panel to what he's describing is fantastic yeah and i love it because it's this gorgeous it's absolutely beautiful and uh it's very iconic and very yeah. you know what i'm saying like it could be a painting in a museum if you right you know yeah. did a humongous oil painting of it but like oh i was thinking watercolor watercolor sure whatever <laughs> but it's just like you know and he's i don't know i just i like the uh right it's a visual gag <laughs> which i dig and I like this little car that they're in, I like in that too. little car, yeah. And it's like, this is where I kind of feel like this top panel where Hellboy and Alice are talking, like, you see there's other people. Yeah. Like, yeah. we don't see that a lot. And right. then them getting in this car here, that's another thing that we, very... we just don't see a lot. <laughs> I really like the idea of Hellboy being in this little car. I know that I bring up the X-Files a lot, but yeah. like, <laughs> that was one thing that uh, struck me watching the X-Files is that they were in these little sedans they right. were in like a corolla <laughs> or like a you know what i mean like you wanted them little... to like on agents of shield they have no, these they like have suvs these fucking, yeah. and all this yeah. shit or, or even the ca- they have like a cadillac and right like that. but it's like no man the <laughs> fbi agents don't drive around in those they drive around in like a mazda right like fucking you know you know because they work for the government their government's not shilling out for no right. and it's very so it's very like I, I I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. It's a, again the juxtaposition is a uh, it's a good choice. It's right. a good visual gag to not have them looking cool all the time. I was say it's also like we're starting to see how uh, we come back into the real world. Into yeah. the world, because yeah. It's like ever since he quit the bureau, he's just gotten further and further away. Right. And yeah, that's right. And if this trilogy is like slowly bringing him back to like where bam now like he's getting in a car. Well, yeah. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because that's something that I don't want to like jump ahead, but um, we we see him mention the BPRD, yeah. which has he been even. Kind right. of thing, other than the flashbacks to Kate. I mean, you know what I'm no, saying? No, I mean, he yeah. wrote that postcard to Kate, yeah. but we didn't really see him write it. We just saw her receive yeah, it. Yeah, and so yeah. him kind of mentioning, like, oh, maybe it's time to swing back around to that. And, and so, like you're saying, like, yeah. they're, they're trying to bring him back yeah. like that. Yeah. So. With my bad credit, we're lucky to have this, Alice says. And Hellboy's like, I guess my credit cards are on the bottom of the ocean somewhere. I like that. I like thinking about yeah. that, too, that he had, like, bureau credit cards or whatever. I wonder if they would even still be good since they've moved locations and all this stuff. 
Yeah, probably because they they probably keep their files up right. there. I guess the the question is, would they be expired because they don't last for very long? And he like floated in the ocean for two yeah, years. Yeah, or <laughs> I mean, like when something is lost, don't they you know they report that as being lost and they kind yeah, of right. send you a new thing or cancel the account or something. Anyway, yeah. we're just getting way into that. And Hellboy, he counters everything that Alice says. He goes, "Of course, if I wasn't king, I wouldn't be saddled with saving the whole world." And she's like, "Well, someone's got to do it." Guess that's true. He this says. mundane conversation, yeah, going down the the highway. And again, I mean, I don't want to gush on this too much, but the art by Fagredo and the colors by Dave Stewart are so beautiful Amazing, in this panel yeah. as they're driving up the road and they encounter this homeless person. He's he's ringing a a bell and he's got this sign that says "The end is nigh." And as they drive by him, they share like a concerned look at each other as they see him. And this homeless guy with the well, bell. Well, he might not necessarily be homeless. He might just, I mean, you know. Right. He He's is, like a vagrant looking guy. Well, yeah. And of. I was just assuming that, you know, all people who are homeless are unkempt is like a very kind of. Right. Weird. Okay. But he sure. might just be like, you know, I'll have his cardboard and string and I don't like trimming my beard and I'm have a weird ring well he the ring looks exactly he looks like, like the, astaroth right well, right i was gonna say it looks like that ring that um home dude was wearing that he broke in oh uh, yeah, yeah the fly the order in, of the fly yeah yeah he's got so that he's, ring and he's got the scarf too he's got like a long scarf around his neck scarf. so I, I just assume he was part of the order of the fly he also right. has a, a cane over here he does have a cane uh, yeah could yeah be a snake cane you never know never know a cane could be a snake cane just like moses's cane <laughs> and as they drive off Alice says I didn't like that very much and he's like me neither where to now Alice says and we get a flashback of Morgan Le Fay saying the noble dead of Britain will come again to follow their king Hellboy says if it's really happening then dead knights from all over are going to be meeting up someplace to form an army but I'll be damned if I know where and I love this line. Alice says, shouldn't yeah. a unicorn or a talking dog show up about now and tell you what to do? And he's like, yeah, you think. I what about? And then right before uh, before he can finish talking, she shouts, Hellboy. And we see this giant creature in the road. But before we go on, you were going to say something about this page, Aubrey? Yeah. Um, so I saw this um, line within the last week or two. Uh, I think it was on the Mike Manola art page okay. on Facebook. Okay. It was the Fergato page and it was all in pencils. Nice. And her mouth, uh, down here in this bottom panel, there was like white out. It looked like it had been redrawn and somebody's like, so I was asked Fergato about it and they apparently he sent them the original drawing and you know, the mouth's just a little bit different and all that, but you know, it's just like you know, he whited it out because he wasn't happy with it. And oh, it. okay. Wow, that's interesting. And I, I, I watch like artists on youtube and i see them do things like that all the time okay yeah so i just thought that was a little neat thing yeah you know i i'm guilty of doing that sometimes where i you know i work on something so long that i just have to put it down and come back to it you know the next day and i come back and i'm like mm. i don't know about this i don't know about this i gotta change this up so yeah yeah i never thought about that i guess that happens with the raw pencils too and the way that you would do it on pencils is you would white it out and redraw it yeah because i guess yeah. it just all gets scanned yeah, because it'll be scanned, digitized, and right yeah. and digitally colored, or I guess inked, right? Well, no, I mean, oh well, the artist, I think Fergredo does his own inks. Yeah, I mean, okay, inks yeah. His own stuff. Oh yeah, okay. So I was to say, I guess the panel was actually the uh, inked page because right. if it was pencils, you could just erase it, but with pen, you got to white it out. Yeah, yeah. And they almost crash into this this creature. He's wearing like this gold armor. It looks really amazing. Yeah. The amount of detail on this guy. 
and he just smashes their car in the front and it's really crazy like as he does that you can see hellboy's the the top of his head breaks through the windshield yeah damn (laughs) like that little detail and the car just goes tumbling down and you know i think in one of the other stories, we had a really good Guy Davis helicopter crashing. Right. And we were like, that's what it would be like. But this really gets a sense of the car crash and with all the glass flying everywhere. It makes it look so scary. Yeah. It's so scary because, like, that's mm. what it would it would be that. Yeah. It's frightening. I, I also like the way that he draws the broken glass into the little squares because uh, that's uh-huh. how safety glass really is. Right. There's the sense of movement and destruction. Yes. Yeah. And as they're crashing and the car is rolling down, Hellboy gets a flashback of the wild hunt where he got stabbed through by the other guys. And what they told him was, we know what you are and the devil will never sit on the throne of England. Never. And we just see the wreckage of the car in front of this tree. It's really scary. Yeah, and they're upside down. Hellboy calls to Alice, but she gets up and she says that she's all right. And he says, all right, then stay put. Don't move. I'll handle this guy. And she's like, you forgot your sword. And so Hellboy just goes out and he starts fighting this guy and he like knocks his helmet off. Mm. And he kind of looks like that um, Lord of the Rings guy, right? Oh, uh, yeah. We talked to, oh, I think we were like talking a, about that. Like, but... a, like one of the Orokai? Yeah. And Hellboy says, start talking, pal, because the next one's going to take your goddamn head off. Yeah. And they have a really good fight scene. I really love how this guy moves. You know, he has this giant spear. And he says, who would you have for a queen? Mab? And Hellboy, like, blocks his spear with the right hand of doom. I really like that panel. And uh, we get a flashback of Queen Mab where we saw her in the Wild Hunt. And this monster, he tells Hellboy, the old woman is dead. <laughs> you know, we've all been saying it, but man, I just love that panel where he's got that spear about to stab him. Yeah. The old woman is dead. And it's just like, man. Yeah. But Hellboy says, I doubt it. And we can see here on this panel, he's got like really detailed stuff on his like gauntlets or whatever. Yeah. I really like that. And this monster, he says, oh, it's true. My queen cut her throat. The world is finally rid of her and all her kind. And so this like kind of happens off screen, but we see that the yeah. that Nimue, she killed Queen Mab and that little Doinashi guy. And so that's really tragic. We've seen Horrible. them so many times. Yeah. And we see that they have gold blood and Nimue's got the knife. We've got this little guy in the bottom corner here on the very edge of the panel. Oh, yeah. The little porcupine guy or hedgehog guy. He's yeah. A little hedgehog. I like the uh, coloring in this Yeah, panel. it's great. It's really good. No more watching and waiting. Now it's war, he says. And as all of this is happening, the sky is turning black and thunder starting to boom. And we see this bar. It's called The Ship. And I think that that's um, the priest Bill from the earlier story. And I actually found this bar. It's in London. And I believe that that's close to where they are in Wandsworth, London. The ship has been providing part shipmates refreshments and food on the banks of the River Thames since 1786, making us one of the most famous landmark pubs in Wandsworth, London. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of interesting. That's Although cool. their logo does not look like that, but um, this is better. I, I like what, what Fagredo did with that. A war to wipe the curse of man and all his works from the face of the earth forever. And as the lightning strikes, we cut to Grogok. And we were going to talk about this, Aubrey, right? Uh, 
know, sweet baby. We 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 heard a, yet another pronunciation. So it was Gruagak. 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 And yeah, so we, it was this video, uh, like the monsters in the Hellboy trailer, and this one person pronounced it Gruagak. Yeah, he said Gruagak, and then so me and Aubrey were, were like, "What the?" So I have no idea. Tell us, listeners, tell us if you say Gruagak, is that correct? Ruby. I'm just going to call him Gragak. We've been calling him Gragak. G-Man. But uh, anyway, so I don't know if it's Gruagak. Let us know what you say. Yeah. And we see him. He's scared by the lightning and he falls over. And he lands on the at the foot of this person. Who's there, he says. You should know, the voice says. You are sprawled across the lid of my grave. And it's Merlin, right? Yeah, yeah. definitely Merlin. And the Triskelion, or the Triple Spiral, or Triskel, is believed to be one of the ancient goddess symbols of the Celts. It represents the Triple Goddess, and in particular is associated with Celtic goddess Brighid. The Triple Spiral is sometimes also used to present the represent the three realms of land, sea, and sky. Mm. And so that's what this symbol is here. Grogok asks for mercy, master, and he says, no mercy for you, pig. Chapter 2. And there's a really cool Mignola cover. Again, I wish we got the actual uh, colors, the Dave Stewart colors from the cover. Here it's kind of like gray washed. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks cool because it's like, you know, it's like the whole silhouette black and white, but yeah. black and gray, I guess, you know? Yeah. But man, I really wish we could get that full color. <laughs> I'll post, I always post pictures of the covers. Yeah. And here we get a flashback and we see Nimue, seducer and betrayer of men. The old man was so blinded by love that he took her for an angel, and she wrung from him all his secrets, even those closest to his heart. And we see Nimue, she's holding Merlin, and he's like, and she says, sleep. And, and we can see that, like, his nails are all long, his beard's really long. And behind her is this beautiful Adam and Eve kind of depiction, and Eve is taking the the apple and the um the head of the snake is like a person it's like a woman yeah with his own power she put him into his grave buried alive and so i was i always try and find the art references for this and so i was trying to see if this was based on a specific um depiction of adam and eve and i couldn't find one but i did find a couple where the snake has like a the head of a human right like of a person and i actually went as far as to message duncan figredo and he did respond to me um he said usually for such things mike has a specific image in mind based on engravings or tapestries whatever suits the needs of the story i think for the one with nimue seducing merlin it was a tapestry but i'm sure that the snake was amended Mike might have even done a drawing. And so it definitely uh, looks like a tapestry. You can see the the Kara's taken to right. um, actually make it look like it's woven. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to bring this because uh, you can see the uh, tassels at the end. Right, the right. And the little lines. And, um, and I just really love that. I really love that that painting or that tapestry. Oh, yeah. It, it's great. And without the old man to guide her, those powers drove her mad. So she took Merlin's power and then um, we see in this bottom panel, they're having a ceremony to the Agra Jihad, right? Because they're saying the seven who are and will be one, the dragon. 
And then we see the witches came to fear her so much that they murdered her, cut her into pieces. And like the poor old man, she was buried in a secret place. There she would have remained forever. And so we learned all about this in, what was it, at the end of Darkness Calls? But you set her free, Merlin says. Now she marshals an army, the last and forgotten, the worst. Maybe not, Grogok says. They haven't come yet. They are coming. Look. And the sky just erupts in lightning. And Grogok can see all the these soldiers are like, crawling out of the ground poison weeds sprung up from her madness merlin says watered by your lust for revenge for the little wrong done to you all those years ago maggots deserting a corpse turned to stone likewise i am stone and Graga says please how i burn me with iron but it wasn't only that merlin says you thought to see your race come again but now when you cut out its own heart and we see King Dagda dead. And Grogok says, that wasn't me, right? Because it was that other little guy that was with him. Yeah. And, and It wouldn't and, have happened if it right. wasn't. Right. And uh, Merlin reveals that Mab is also dead. Her blood, the last pure blood of your race, painted onto a beast to make her champion. And so we see here that Nimue is painting this gold blood onto the little hedgehog guy. Mm. And so that's the one that Hellboy is fighting, right? He turns into this giant monster and she sends him to kill Hellboy. And I love this giant red panel of her like commanding him or whatever. Well, her powers are well illustrated too. I like the Kirby crackle. Yeah. The way that it's utilized and also the coloring. If you really uh, look at it, you can see that the the coloring on that is just really fucking amazing. And also, if you think about it, had... uh, Grogok not um, lost faith right there at the end of the wild hunt. He would probably have been the one anointed with the blood and probably got yeah. his power back. He probably could have got what he exactly what he wanted. Right, right. It would have but, been him against Hellboy. Yeah, yeah. And we cut over to Hellboy fighting the head, this giant hedgehog guy. Now he's a big. Now he's a monster hedgehog, I guess. And when you're dead, I'll lead her army against man. He tells Hellboy, "Your head mounted on my spear, my standard of war." Good luck with that, Hellboy says. And we cut back to Merlin. He's telling Grogok, you think your forests and green fields of old will come again? I see rivers run with blood and dry white fields of bone. What do you think will grow from that? His face. And this red panel with Nimue is just amazing. I mean, it's amazing. It's my favorite depiction of this character so far. It's incredible. You will live to see it, Merlin says, as I lie incorruptible under the stone, so you shall live. That is the curse I level against you. Suffer, but do not die till the world ceases to turn. And I think this is amazing. This kind of blows my mind because yeah. Grogok sees the vision that Liz has been seeing. Yeah. This All of a sudden he's in this. Yeah. He's incredible. in this apocalyptic future just like Liz was. Oh, my God. When I saw this image, I was just like, holy crap. That's the um, Andrew um, or yeah. whatever the cop. Had. You know, it's what we've been reading in BPRD and we haven't really been seeing this like in Hellboy. Right. And it's just seeing this is like. Oh shit! Yeah, and it's nice to see uh, Fergredo take on a uh, Guy Davis monster. Yes, oh, I right. love that. Yeah. yeah, and it made me think of a you know, is there like a weird parallel between Merlin and Memnon Saw? You know what I mean? They both kind of ah. showed this. You know what I mean? Memnon Saw brought it to Liz, and Merlin is kind of showing. Uh, well, I think it's like with thing. um, it's like a Jedi and Sith powers, mm. similar but not the same. 
And I also wanted to talk a little bit about this thing with Merlin and Mallory's Mort de Arthur. Nimue is responsible for Merlin's downfall. Nimue's father was Dionys, a landholder, but less than a baron. She met Merlin when she was 16 years of age. Merlin fell in love with Nimue. He was so in love with her that he was constantly at her side. Nimue accompanied Merlin on a journey so that she might learn his magic. Knowing that Merlin could take her unwillingly, she made him swear that he would use no magic to make her lay with him. As they traveled, Nimue became more and more afraid of Merlin's advances. In some versions of the legend, Nimue traded her love for lessons in sorcery, and Merlin foresaw his own death, but he was so smitten with Nimue that he was helpless to avert his own tragic end. There are different versions of his death. One version has Nimue tiring of him, and turning one of his spells against him and seals him in a cave forever. Other versions have her trapping him in a bush or hawthorn tree where his voice is sometimes heard, and some tales have him living forever in his confinement, and others tell of his death or his descension into madness. So um, there's the historical stuff that kind of goes along with that story. And, oh. and and I think the other thing is to now Merlin is cursing Grogok that he can't yeah. die now. Yeah. You know, he can't die until yeah. the world ends. So I think that that's pretty horrible. That That's pretty messed up. Like he already all this other bad stuff has happened. But, you know, I don't know. He's kind of right. Like it might not have gone all this way if he hadn't like riled up all this stuff and brought Nimue back and everything. You know what I mean? And he did it all because Hellboy burned him with no, fire. We discussed this. There was a bunch of other stuff. He was trying to save his race and yeah. all this kind of stuff. Well, know? I mean, but, but he, then, but then it led to Dogda getting killed and everything. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I mean, I'm not talking about. Yeah, he could get to, but he talked about how he got burned with iron, he got filled with anger, and his anger led to this. And then he's like, well, "My people, where are we going?" I don't know. <laughs> it's just, yeah. We cut back to the to the church that they were at the beginning of the story and the priest bill he's there with a candle and he's like who's there and behind him this king appears he says now is the blackest hour when traitors suffer most to hear the trumpets the rattle of arms it's the eve of battle and the wildness and storm about to break and all of a sudden this crown appears in front of the priest and he kneels down and kneels down and prays in front of it well do you think that that's this guy's a ghost, right? Yeah. Do you think that's just because he's already wearing the crown? Yeah, I think like and it's he, like man height. So I think it's just like he just disappears and the crown yeah, is still sure. there, and it's like that shape kind of represents the body or whatever. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah. it's a really cool effect. Or maybe he actually doesn't see the ghost and he only sees the crown. Oh I yeah, know. yeah. I don't know. Back with Hellboy fighting the monster hedgehog, we the underground people will have our daylight hour. He tells Hellboy. A precious few moments of glory. We will make the world ours again. Long enough for man to feel the... And so he's, as this is, he's saying all this, he throws Hellboy across. And he's about to come down with a spear and stab him. And just then, Alice, she goes into the backseat of the car and she grabs the sword, Excalibur. And she throws it to Hellboy. The hedgehog gets distracted by Alice and Hellboy's like, keep your eye on the ball, dumbass. And he punches him right <laughs> in the head. I really like that. And Alice throws the sword. And I just really love all this pacing right here as like um, he reaches out to catch it. It's very cinematic, right? As he reaches out his hand oh, yeah. and he grips the handle of it. But just as he grabs the sword, when he turns around, this hedgehog just spears him right through. And he stabs Hellboy in the chest, pinning him to this tree. And he says, Hellboy... 
No More Kings. And I just love this. It was such a gut wrench because he catches a sword. You're like, all right, Hellboy's going to rally. And then he just gets stabbed through. And you're just like, what the fuck? Like, I don't know how many times he's been stabbed already like this. Well, this particular battle actually kind of reminded me of the final battle between Arthur and Mordred in the movie Excalibur. Uh, He's even wearing gold armor the way Mordred was. Oh, wow. King Arthur gets stabbed and then he stabs him with the Excalibur. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's kind of what made me think this. Nice. Sorry for, I know you haven't seen it yet. No, no, yeah. No, that's fine. I love that. I love the idea of that detail. But even though Hellboy stabbed through, he just crunches the end of the spear with the right hand of doom. And the hedgehog's like shocked. And then, yes, he does stab him with Excalibur. Trust me, pal. I don't like the idea any more than you do, he tells him. As the hedgehog thrashes back, he knocks the the sword out and it goes flying. You were one tough monkey. I'll give you that, Hellboy says. And Alice runs over to see if he's all right. You know, because he just got stabbed through. But Hellboy's like, it's okay, really. You think so, the hedgehog says as he's dying. You think you've won? You haven't. You can't. Even if your army was 10,000 times hers, it would make no difference. Nimue, who was queen of blood, she's made herself goddess of war, and she's becoming something else. She doesn't know, but I know. Old Mab knew, and I learned it from her blood. And Hellboy's like, what are you talking about? A thing. A thing not seen since the beginning of the world. And Hellboy's like, what? And he's like, too late. And he dies. I really like this image Yeah. Of her right here because it's almost that could be like a like a metal album cover. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying it's so cool. And she's got like this um, kind of uh, tapestry or engraving behind her. It shows these two armies fighting. I really like this too. And it has the the three Morgana, the names of the three Morgana right. that we talked about, the it, ones that are on her on her hat, right? Or crown, not hat. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a helmet. It's like a helmet crown. Yeah. It's like a crown yeah. slash helmet. Well, I think because she told the guy to make her a crown of iron. So, yeah, definitely helmet crown. Right. Yeah. What was the helmet? It was like for, because she was talking about, I'm the goddess of war. I need yeah. a battle right. crown. Yeah. Battle helmet crown or whatever. And I, I also like this idea that since he was made powerful by Mab's blood, he knows everything that Mab knows yeah, now, too. Yeah, super good. Yeah. And, um, I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? But now I know. Right, yeah. So, but then when he dies, his little hedgehog. He turns back into the little hedgehog form. Yeah, and there's a. They take a a good amount of time for us to kind of see this weird scene of them standing in front of this little guy. And she's like, look how cute he was. And Hellboy's like, he wasn't that cute a minute ago. And uh, he goes off to look for the sword and he sees this house in front of them. And he's like, huh. And she goes, it looks nice. And they probably have a phone. And then just then it starts raining really hard. I like that there's that little blip. Yeah. little yeah. blip of rain on Hellboy's uh, horn stub or whatever. Where he's, and he's saying maybe and then just lightning strike. Right. Yeah. And then they go inside and they ask for a phone. But the lady working there says, sorry. I like how he's just got the sword, you know, over his shoulder or whatever. <laughs> So the woman, she tells Henry, you f- you run and fetch some dry towels for these people. And Alice orders two pints of bitter, both for you, dear, or one for the gentleman. And he's like, can I get a cup of coffee? So they are both for her. Yeah. <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> and she's like, no coffee, but I can make you a nice cup of tea. And he's like, that'll be fine. 
so uh i really like this um uh, i got this awesome for my birthday uh, i got the sketchbook the duncan Figredo, and on the back cover of it there's a really lovely picture of hellboy and he's holding a cup of tea Aww. he has a little cup of tea and it may and i thought of that when i read this panel oh that's awesome and she tells Hellboy, if you don't mind me saying, you look a little familiar, sir. Do I know you? And he's like, I don't think so. Just really like that interaction. And she's like, right, here you are, dear. Car trouble? And she's like, yeah, a bit. Yeah, and their car just got totally wrecked by that giant monster hedgehog <laughs> and rolled down a freaking hill or whatever. And she's like, you want I should turn, on, turn the sound up on the TV? And Hellboy's like, no, that's all right. And we get this cutaway to the Salton Sea <laughs> yeah. monster. And so, again, it's kind of bringing us, it's kind of bridging that gap. And Alice calls, she's like, Hellboy, and we see Kate. Yeah. She's got, she's doing like a press conference or something. She's got some BPRD guys behind her. And she's kind of got her hands up. And just the look on her face, you can tell that. Yeah, you can. I mean, we, we, yeah. we know Kate. We know that she's stressed. We know that she's dealing with a lot. And while all this is happening, she's probably not having a great time. And but I just really of, love that. He's yeah. kind of flashing back to the last time he saw her and their dialogue. And yeah, yeah, it's like the first time we've kind of seen that without the um, them on the mountain. Right, we're we're getting the right. dialogue, but not. But it's yeah. like, Current but it. There. But we've seen it three times already. So by this point, it just like I love we that yeah. for yeah, for for you guys. Yeah. You you can just imagine it. Yeah. And we also see a guy there with a sign that says the end is nigh, just like they saw on the road. And as Hellboy's watching the TV, I love in the background, you can see Alice with the two beers. Okay. <laughs> She's drinking those beers. I also like uh, seeing Figueroa's take on the, the salt and sea monster. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And here it looks a little bit more like I like that they have a fence around it. I don't think that we saw that the last time. Oh, yeah. That they have a fence and there's guards. There's like military guys out there too. People are probably trying to go over there. Right. <laughs> oh, man. There's probably like nuts trying to go over there and worship it. <laughs> yeah. For real. That's what would happen, right? Yeah. We've seen so many examples of that in the BPRD stories. And we get this awesome flashback to New Mexico 1947. And we see little Hellboy and his dog Mac. Mac. I love uh, whenever Fagreta draws yeah. a little Hellboy. Super cute. And uh, we see Broom, too. So it's nice to see Broom, and he tells Hellboy to come inside. And he, Hellboy's kind of, like, sulking out there. And he's like, what is it, my boy? And he's like, I'm not a monster, am I? Of course not, Broom says. What makes you say that? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because I look like a fucking monster. Right. But Broom says, look, we've talked about this. You're special. But not special, like Superman, and not like Frankenstein. This panel broke my heart when he looks up and he says, well, I'm not special like Superman. Like he's right. He's like, I look very fucking different yeah. from what everyone holds up as the savior of mankind. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? So it's a very, that, that really broke my heart. But I also like how Broom is talking to him. He's like, he talks to him like he doesn't look a monster to him. Exactly. So he's he's like, monster. of it, course you're sweet. not a monster. Why yeah. would you say that? You know what I mean? That's very, yeah, it's very sweet of like, you just, you know. Yeah. yeah, you look different, but that doesn't, yeah, you know, right. a monster. Yeah. That's very sweet. And Frankenstein makes me think of, you know, we met Frankenstein yeah. already um, in the Hellboy in Mexico story. So Hellboy does eventually encounter Frankenstein. <laughs> and Broom says, you're not, of course not. You're a good boy. And if you behave yourself, eventually you'll grow up to be a fine young man. Aww. Like the lobster. Like Hellboy. the lobster. <laughs> love That's a great face. panel. His it. face, yeah. I love his face. And we get a, a flashback to the lobster. Here is the claw. And we see this is Hellboy's version of the lobster That's that great. he used to watch on TV. 
yeah. we learned all about this version of the and lobster. Like read all his comics. He yeah, had all his comics out. Um, this bed. reminds me of those uh, Guy Davis uh, little interstitials that were in the Lobster Johnson Iron Prometheus trade. It's really good. And so you know how we were talking about like crossovers before, with, like Kate and Bruno and the Lobster. How about we get a crossover of the three lobsters? Yeah, <laughs> or I just want to see a little five minute clip of Hellboy little Hellboy watching the lobster cereals and getting oh, all excited right. watching it or whatever. Uh, that would be really cute. He doesn't have any powers or anything. He's just a guy, but he fights the bad guys and sometimes there's monsters. Just like you do, Professor, little Hellboy says. That's right, son. Someday. And we cut to Hellboy with his tea and he's just got his head in his hand, right, as he's thinking about all of this. Hey, you better come and have a look at this, Alice says. And in the background, we see that the lady turns off the TV. What is it? And they go to the window, they look out, and they see all the noble dead of Britain, right? They've totally surrounded this pub or whatever it is. And Hellboy's just like, crap. One little detail that I really liked was, is she turning off the TV with a spoon in this panel? It looks like it. Right, because really she can't she's, reach it because yeah, so it's, it's a yeah. knob. She's using that wooden spoon. Yeah. To try. I just like little things like yeah, that. Like there's little... little, I don't know. Those are very human things. I remember when I was uh, in our first house that we lived in. We only lived there till I was like ten or eleven, but we had one of those old box TVs and. The knob had already fallen off and we had a vice grip. Yeah. A little vice grip on on the knob so that way we could turn it like that anyway. (laughs) And so this chapter three cover is also awesome. We see Grogok in the background and the sword and Hellboy and the snake. Do you want to keep, is this registering on? I don't know. I really don't know if it is. Don't, don't talk or say anything. I'm sure it'll be all right. We might get some leaf blower. Polluting. Uh, <laughs> Using natural resources and then sound pollution all in one machine. Sign me up. Yeah. When so, you can just use a fucking broom. So if you hopefully you can't hear that leaf blower in the background. We're gonna continue. You feel it, draw out that sword, and your army will come. The noble dead of Britain will come again to follow their king, Hellboy remembers, and as they're looking out and seeing all the um all those dead guys out there, the dead knights. That and, beer is um, called Black Pete, and I want to drink it. I was wondering, is that a real beer? Oh it's nice. It's got a skull there. And by the way, Pete, not like the name Pete, but like Pete as in the substance Pete, P E A T. Black Pete. And it's got almost like that little Mignola skull that we see on yeah. the Osiris Club logo. I like that a lot. That's good. I would drink that. Oh, so beer side note here. And disappointedly, I contacted our local uh, liquor vendors oh, here, and they said that the the Hellboy beer is not going to make it down ah, here. It's so they shame. said it's so limited, right. and because of their distributors and all this thing. And I really, you know, because that's how I got the Hellboy. Yeah, they're normally Hellwater. are able to. They're, get they're normally able want, to, and 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 they will totally yeah. do it. And I actually, they're very nice. One thing I saw, I'm talking about Specs in in Houston, by the way. They gave us all our boxes for moving because we yeah. have we moved in a bunch of like Tito's boxes, <laughs> right? But stuff. um, they even sent me like the chain, like it was like a one guy had emailed yeah. this guy, and that guy had emailed this guy, and it was like four different people like trying to see really, if they yeah. could. If they could get this beer for us, but they can't. So they anyway. normally are able to get whatever. But yeah. if they can't, they they try really hard. They try really so hard, yeah. but unfortunately, we're probably not going to get to try it down here. Wait, wait, where can you get it? In I think States? it's like in Washington or Seattle or something. Yeah, Gigantic limited. Brewery. Oh, so I guess like coming from the last issue, you know, they were in the window looking at all this, 
And now in this issue, they're just sitting at a table. Hellboy's drinking his tea. So there's been a little bit of a moment since they last noticed all those people are out there. And Hellboy just says to Alice, can't do it. And she's like, what do you mean? Me lead an army, especially one like that? Jeez, what the hell was I thinking? And we can also see like he's got that big scar. He's got the big gash where he was cut open or whatever. disconcerting. But what about all that stuff the hedgehog said about? The Queen Nimue and her army. You don't believe any of that? And Hellboy's like, I believe it. I wish I didn't, but my gut's telling me I've got to do this on my own. And how are you supposed to do that? Alice says, I don't know, but I've got to trust my gut. And it's telling me this whole thing is going the wrong way. And we cut to all the knights outside lined up. And Fregredo just does an awesome job. Yeah. I mean, all, all of these pencils are just amazing. Well, and the color is too. Like, Dave Stewart is incredible as well. Yes. Yeah. What about what Mab said, Alice says? And Morgan, first, Hellboy says, even though I believe most of what she told me, I'm not going to trust Morgan Le Fay. There's got to be something for her in this whole mess. I don't know what it is, but I'm pretty sure it's nothing good. And we get this very ominous panel of Morgan Le Fay down here. And Mab, Alice says... And we get this cutaway to Mab. She's telling Hellboy that um, it's a flashback to when she told Hellboy, I'm not here to tell you what will happen, but to tell you that I can see only one hope, one chance for you to escape your fate. And so this is what she told him at the end of the wild hunt. I don't know, Hellboy says. I think she meant well, and she got me going in the right direction. And she said you were supposed to raise an army, Alice says. Yeah, but my gut says no. What are you going to do? Who's going to find this queen? How are you going to do that? And Hellboy's like, guess I'm looking for a talking dog. Uh-huh. She's like, but you're taking the sword. And she tries to hand it to him. She raises it to him with the hilt facing him. And he's like, no. But you have to, she says. All you went through to get it. I had to go through that. And I guess maybe I did need the sword for a while. But now it's part of what feels wrong about where this is all going, Hellboy says. And Alice is like, you're making a mistake. She's crying over the fact that he doesn't want to use the sword. This is another thing that I'm... This really means a lot to her. Right. And I can't figure out, like, why? Well, I think she is roped in with all these Doinashi and Mab and everybody because she's part of them. She believes that he's, like... No, but she's also... She has their magic. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But she's she's invested in in him being the savior of the thing. This is how the legend goes. And this is the magical thing that's going to make you into the thing that is going to be the the whole deal. So, yeah, I guess that makes sense. And I think she just thinks that he needs it or he'll die. Ah, right. Right, I think that that too is part of it. And Hellboy tells Alice, I want you to take that thing and get rid of it. Throw it in a nice looking pond or a river. Something like that seems a thing to do. And she's like, I can't. And he's like, sure you can. But like, isn't that where... Uh, that's where you get it from. Yeah, that's where you get it from. Is like a river or a yeah. pond. Yeah. Well, and then also at the end of a lot of Excalibur stories, they King Arthur has this knight go throw the um, sword into the river. Oh yeah, and tell him what, and come back and tell me what happened. That way, right. I know you did it. Right. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a test yeah. to right. see if he followed the order. Because like, if he did it, the hand, right, right. Will, hand will reach up and grab it and pull it under. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's rad. Stick it in a rock. Stick it in a stone. Yep. Yeah. Do that. <laughs> When this is all over, Hellboy says, I'm going back to the Bureau. Looks like they could use some help these days. How would you feel about living in America? He tells Alice. And she looks up at him and she smiles even though she's crying. And then they kiss. I guess. Okay. So, 
we'll get back to that kiss in a second. Uh, <laughs> when I first read this, I was just like, okay, wait, we were building up to this through the wild hunt for him to become king of Britain, and all of a sudden he's like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. Right. Thing. Which I'm glad about because that but, it feels weird. But I mean, no, it just all of a sudden it made me think that this is just another somebody saying, this is your destiny, Hellboy. This is what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. So you got Rasputin saying, you're supposed to fucking raise this army of the dead and yeah. the and uh, fucking going uh, to hell yeah. and wh- whatever get yeah. your crown and all and that. all of a sudden like and then like those people no 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 the only way to escape your fate is to do this other thing where you have a sword and a crown right and hellboy is like no i don't want any of that shit <laughs> right yeah so right yeah. but then it doesn't end up bad. he's like i'm just gonna do it my way regardless right yeah, yeah. i'm not gonna do it like this because no matter what happens it's like well fuck it well, and kind it's like you thing. said, it feels wrong. Yeah it, yeah, it does. It's kind of a weird, it's weird. Yeah. But I do like this, uh, I do like this moment with Hellboy and Alice. I sure. do like this moment. Yeah. And I do like the idea of them I don't being dislike it. with the Bureau in America. You know, like given how the story ends, right. I would have loved yeah. to have seen them be with the rest of the team, you yeah. know, and be part of the BPRD, which is kind of interesting because in the new movie... Alice is part of the BPRD, it seems oh. like. You know, from a moody from, you know, I'm not saying I agree with any of this. I just see no, some yeah. of the logic of it. I'm in terms to. of a in terms of trying to make a movie, uh-huh. okay. You look at all the BPRD characters. Smash that everything you, together. Why not? Right. You go, well, you know, Daimyo, he's he he's not that special effects heavy, you know, except if he's gonna transform, but otherwise he's just a man. And you with, know. A, with a little makeup well, on his face. Well, that's the thing, and too, then, is that the face is not... And they're not doing the face, you know, yeah. as much as it as Guy Davis did. And then with Alice, you know, you could go, well, I mean, she does have some kind of supernatural elf powers. Let's go with that. You know, movie people might be like, well, she would just be a person. Because if you're going to do Abe, then you got to do a whole costume and you've got to do special effects. And if you're going to do Liz, you got to do more special effects. If you're going to do Johan or Roger... There's all special effects heavy. So it's kind of like Lionsgate is probably, they go, well, Hellboy is going to be this big special effects thing. And all of the monsters are going to be the special effects. Let's have the other agents be kind of like semi, not so much special effects. Well, I also thought of it as more of a, as more of like, well, that that's a good thing. But I, okay, I'm going to add to that is we've, we've already seen Abe and Liz and Johan in the movies right and now i think they're wanting to say wait but here's daimyo and alice right i guess and they well and we still haven't seen roger too so yeah or kate yeah i mean kate i think that that's that's a that's one that should have been there a long time ago anyway if you also think about it if they're going to do the wild hunt are they just going to have alice be this character that runs around doesn't do anything you know, no, they're going to be like, well, they're just like, like, and they're also combining the Hellboy and the BPRD. So they're like, they, they, if they're doing the wild hunt then they've got to have Alice in but the story. But those have never been combined. And if they're doing Hellboy and the BPRD, then it just makes sense to go, well, I guess Alice could be part of the BPRD too, because that's what would have happened, right? Sure. In, in in this scenario where Hellboy says, hey, after all this is over, like if, if this story had not ended how it did, right. and, Hell, and if this was like Marvel or DC, that's probably how it would have gone and then Hellboy and Alice would have gone back to America and they would have joined the rest right. of the BPRD so you're gang. saying it's yeah. less like a it's less like a Tolkien thing and more like a Marvel's Avengers thing yeah they're just of. taking some liberties with it but it's gonna be fine I mean I I still want it. I'm interested to see what I'm they're gonna, gonna do with it I'm gonna see it for yeah. sure I just feel like you know what 
Yeah, I think. Is it going to be? I can't I think figure that, out what it's going to be. If you're a, unless you're, <laughs> I was going to say, if you're a movie studio, you're not going to kill your heroes right away. But that's exactly what DC did. Absolutely. The second mo- did. Superman movie so. has killed him. But anyway, um, if you're going to try and do it successfully, <laughs> then you're going to have to have some. It's got to have legs. Yeah, it's got to have legs. And a uh, total side comment, I've really been enjoying the striped shirt that Alice wears. Yeah. It's I really like the color of it oh, and the yeah. design of it. Anyway, I just. Yeah, it's a good shirt. <laughs> and Hellboy just kind of walks off. He's like, okay. And as he walks off, he sees the sign on this pub, and it's got that. It's a chalice. Right. It's, it's got a, that gold chalice on it's it. It's a goblet. It's the. Uh, it's, it's the Holy Grail. The Holy Grail, yeah. Thank yeah. you for. I couldn't think of the fucking yeah. word grail. And, it's the um, fucking grail, man. As Hellboy walks off, I really love this. He's like, sorry, fellows, you've got the wrong guy. And they just kind of part. He just walks through <laughs> them, right? And he just walks away. She's very upset. Yeah, and she's there left sobbing at the pub with the sword in front of her. As Hellboy walks off, he hears this voice. The elves who once would have fought this war are gone now, or turned to her side. War. It will be settled on distant fields, and men will never know of it, unless you fail. So that's, uh, he was told that in a uh, previously, right? Oh, that's what Mab told him. Yeah. yeah. Mab told him all this, yeah. And he hears a voice say, please, and he sees Grogok, and horrible. He's, he's hung himself. This is horrible. And he's just hanging from a noose from this tree, and he says, all my fault. You burned me with iron, and I wanted revenge, but not all this. Forgive me. I want to die. Please. And Hellboy just looks up at him, and he draws his gun, and he just shoots Grogok like he empties the entire gun out of him. And he's like, even now, I cannot die. So it didn't do anything. And Hellboy's just like, sorry, pal. And he just tosses the gun. I really like that, too. You like that? That's terrible. I just think it's... No. Just just Hellboy's attitude is... Awful. You know, because, I mean, he's done all this to get back at Hellboy. And then now he's like, help me. Yeah. And so Hellboy... And Hellboy does. But when it doesn't work, he's like, all right, sorry, Sorry, I tried. Poor guy. And he walks off and he sees that bell and the end is nigh sign from that guy that they saw on the road when they were in the car. And he tells Hellboy, poor pig. Oh, it's you, Hellboy says. What the hell do you want? And he's like, you know me? Yeah, but you're not the talking dog I'm looking for. You're running out of time, Hellboy. Look, even with Morgan's army, a few hundred dead men, what could you hope to accomplish against that? And this guy points off, Hellboy says, geez, and we see all of Nimue's army. It looks really crazy right here. Gigantic werewolf. That's what I'm Yeah. Just all the detail that had to go into drawing this panel and making it look like there are just like, I don't know, millions, right, out there. We see frog monsters. If you kind of zoom in there, there's some frog monsters in there, too. Oh, yeah. So cool. Yeah, that, I mean, it's just, it, it stretches out for, forever. And behind them, there's this large tower, and the guy points to it. The queen is in her tower, and there's no way to reach her, but through that army. I can show you this, but I have no power here. A hundred thousand creatures with no fear of bullets or fire, straining at the leash to be loosed against man. You cannot reach her with the dust and bones of England, and certainly you cannot reach her alone. But call that other army out of hell. They are the only power I know that can sweep this field clean. Say the word. Wake them. And when they're done here, send them back, if you can. If you believe that you're good, 
that you were brought into this world to do a good thing it can be only this just say the and just then hellboy snatches the cane out of this man's hand and he turns around and he cracks it over his head and just like we we had thought right this right. is astaroth that's why hellboy said i know you he's not even trying anymore right <laughs> and, he, and he goes that was unexpected i've had enough of this crap hellboy says what does it matter to you what i do why do you care astaroth finishes I was there the day you were born, the day your father, your real father, made you what you are. Never was a living thing created to be so much, and you choose to be so little. It is painful to watch. And Hellboy's like, you didn't answer my question. Why? What's in it for you? The one you think of as your father, he lied to you. No matter what you do, you will never be a man. And he turns into that classic, awesome version of yeah. Astaroth. I really like this. It reminds me of... Uh, where, which one was it where he was like, call me? Right. At, at the end. Um, Wasn't that... Um, Midnight Circus. No, no. no. It, was, uh, it was one that Mignola did. I'm, God, I can't I believe just I don't read remember that. this. <laughs> oh, uh, no, I know what you're talking about. Um, I'll never think of the name of it. Was it the end of Wake the Devil? I can picture I think so. It. Anyway, yeah. I'll, I'll find out later. And Hellboy's like, screw you. And then he he's about to light a cigarette, and he sees one of those skulls that the Baba Yaga had um, on those posts and he sees the baba yaga figure of her approaching him well that last part at least is true but you already knew that she said he's got cigars now are they cigars yeah yeah this whole book they've been cigars oh okay he's switched over maybe it's just all he's able to get right now mm. but he was wrong about you not being able to reach nimue alone the baba yaga says i can deliver you to her she tells hellboy but it will cost you time to pay the debt you owe and if I do, Hellboy says, the world is done with me, the Baba Yaga says. I live in a dream of a Russia long gone, and there I'll remain. And this beautiful panel down yeah. here at the bottom of Baba Yaga's Russia. Till the world ends, she says. Only let me have two eyes to see that end come. And she holds out her hand. And I really love how this is paced yeah. here. In the background, we see Koku and the Russian version of death that we saw in Darkness Calls. Yeah. And Hellboy says, okay. And then we just get this one panel of red. Yeah, the pacing is very good. And then this panel is just amazing, very right? Very cinematic. The Baba Yaga holds up Hellboy's eye, and it's bleeding. And in Hellboy, he's just got like a little drop of blood, right, where his eye socket yeah. was. Good. it's really amazing I, I really like the color of the blood it just yeah. kind of makes it kind of that glowy orange right it really lights up that panel and the bottom of the page we see morgan lefay over her little kind of chessboard battlefield layout thing that we saw at the end of the wild hunt and she's got a version of death behind yeah, it's her like too the British version. yeah and she says now and the the little statue that was hellboy uh, is bleeding with Nimue in the tower, she says, They are the furious beasts, the wild storm, heralds of pestilence, throne bearers of Urshagal. So we've heard about Urshagal before. Right. The serpent. They are the flood which rushes through the land. Seven gods of might, seven gods of oppression, seven in heaven and seven in the earth. Of giant strength and giant tread they are. Knowing no care, they grind the land like corn. Knowing no mercy, they rage against mankind. Does this speech sound familiar to you? Yeah, guys? it does. I like the part about corn, but it always makes me want to eat corn. <laughs> <laughs> this is the same thing that Rasputin says yeah. as he was trying to call down the Audrey. Everybody, everybody yeah. ends up saying this. Right. Yeah. Oh, and I did want to mention in our Darkness Calls episode... 
the Russian version of death, when Baba Yaga gives the last of her power to Kashi, death tells to her, finally you understand, Hellboy is as deathless as Kashi. Right. The eye you want cannot be taken, it must be given. And as far as he's come and as much as he's suffered, he's not ready. Not yet. And we had a whole conversation about, yeah. oh, what's the deal with Hellboy and he, he's not right, dying. Yeah. So I want to make sure we come back to that because I put it in my notes. But yeah, and then that whole thing with her having to get it from him, but you know he's got to give it to her and right. So, that's, yeah. so yeah, that's how he's using it. So that way he can get past this army. And I want to go back to this page a little bit where we see Nimue in front of this painting or depiction of. There's another kind of depiction of is it Adam and Eve and they're holding this like gold orb or something? Is that the apple? Yeah. Yes. And then there's like the snake coming down and we see like kind of on the sides there are these other depictions. I really liked that too. And when I had messaged Duncan Fagredo about the other thing, I also asked him about that one. Like how the boy skeleton or whatever is like holding his head like, geez, wow. This <laughs> that's an that's an apple. Like it's very and then you can tell, you can tell that it's a girl skeleton because for some reason the girl skeleton has boobies and long hair. Well, the guy skeleton has a little skeleton. Wiener. He's got a little wiener there. So uh, Wait, I was gonna say, fun note, or I guess side note. Uh huh. In the Bible, it's never actually called an apple. It's just called the fruit. Oh, uh, okay. And the apple didn't come around until like. Well, the whole Adam much, and Eve thing is like women are evil. They're the cause of oh, all yeah. destruction. It's like actually, you're just just need to stop being a crybaby and chill out <laughs> that too but and but when i uh when i had asked for Grado about this painting he said the painting in the tower is a combination of engravings mike asked for the serpent to flow around the room in the darkness cool. we needed a door so i made an arch out of the snake i have the images somewhere but where is another matter artists lost to time anyway <laughs> So he said they're they're based on a combination of sure. engravings, which I think is really awesome. Like the people dancing with the skeletons. Yeah, is pretty cool. I think so. That I love that. Thing. And then the kind of yeah, we saw, we saw a, another. We saw Mignola draw something like that in the Virkalak when Hellboy fell down the thing. In the yeah. background, there was an engraving that kind of looked yeah. like that. Anyway, and, no, it's a, it's a very impressive uh, drawing. All right. all jokes aside. And all commentary aside, I I, I do uh, love the way he does this. But it's not really a skeleton; it's more like it's a, like a mummy, maybe. Like, yeah, the the skin is like sure dried up on right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely for sure. Yeah. I'm just uh, I'm being flip. But on the next page, the first panel, the depiction of Nimue is very uh, impressive. Right, and like that. so as she's giving this speech, right, she's saying the same speech that Rasputin said when he called down the About dragon. The corn, the corn speech. And as she's saying it, this one witch, and it's that kind of turned into a ball witch, Ganeda. That, well, she broke all her bones or something. Right. She, she gave her bonitis. She kind of comes in and she says, uh, she finishes the speech for her, to spill blood like rain and devour flesh. Nimue says, you dare speak here? I speak for them, Ganeda says. They want me to tell you this, that you are chosen for an honor greater than any since the beginning. And I notice here she's got that green the flame, flame pops over her up, head. And all of a sudden, yeah. Nimue is like afraid of She's like, oh, shit. Right. So she notices that too, yeah. They set you above the others who have served them. You are blessed. What are you saying, Nimue says? They have made you their vessel. Out of you, they will be born again. And she's like, what? And we get this awesome, yeah. like, greenish depiction by Fagredo of all the people that have been touched by the dragon, right? We see Hecate yeah. in the back. 
And we've seen that depiction of her by Guy Davis and Mignola. Yeah, on, that's a really, yeah, I like that yeah. a lot. On her left side, those are the the twin dragons, the, worship, the worshippers of the twin dragons. They've got the amulet around their neck. And then we see Memnon Sa, we see Rasputin. And then on the other side of her, I think that those are the Larzad and the guys that are worshipped by the Heliopic Society. Mm-hmm. And then on her, on that side... So uh, I had a really hard time figuring out who this third guy is. I was trying to, and so I actually asked the community. I started asking people on Facebook. I saw that you posted that. <laughs> and I can't believe I missed this. So thank you for everyone. I know Jerry Turnbull and uh, Mark Tweedell also, uh, they helped me out. And I think there was somebody else who had also figured it out. But it's the guy, uh, Humboldt T. Jones. He was the West Memphis Miracle Boy. Oh, right. Who called all the frogs or whatever he recreated sadu hem in bprd plague of frogs and so i really love how it's it's a really impressive illustration all this to all this detail in there but also um, uh when dave stewart limits the palette like this yeah he actually is able to do more with it and that's something that's so impressive to me that um such a cool i don't know it's just such a it's really impressive it's yeah it's i mean it's when you're working with a very specific palette like this and uh you know the different tones and shades and of something that's so self-similar and then having the contrast of Nimue being the only figure that's not in that right. palette is a very um, effective tool. Right. It's it's very impressive. I, I'm glad you mentioned that because if you kind of look over the last page, like it's kind of like mostly red. Yeah, and, and it's yeah. slowly there's a, And there's creeping. a red light and then it's slowly and then even she's in this. She's still red, but she's actually dimmer right she's getting dimmer and, and then yeah. in this she's bottom panel green. she's green too yeah. and the light that's coming in is also green i really yeah thank you for pointing that out and then yeah. from here on out it's it's got this that's green what i'm saying tint. is that like every single person that's working on this is a storyteller yeah the, you know the, the colorist is not some guy they were like fill in the colors like he is telling a story right dave stewart is a storyteller and you know for is a storyteller and Obviously, all the writers are storytellers, but they're they're all coming together as this unit to make a more effective, more immersive, more artful right. story. And that's something that is always that's that's what has really attracted me to, to these books is is that it's right. every page and every story that we've read they could all be their own like exhibition. Right. If you have yeah. the Storm and the Fury exhibition and every one of these pages up on the wall, like it's very yeah. You know, I would love to see that. Sure. Bring, bring that to Houston. Yeah. And so Nimue looks at her arm. I like how she's got like a question mark in the word bubble because she's kind of like, yeah, um, it's just very expressive. And her arms start cracking, right? And like kind of deforming. Rejoice to see their sign written in flesh. The seven become one, Ganeda says. What have you done? Nimue asks. She's got like Some a witch's hand. trick? Yeah. She's like, I'll hear you confess it, hag. And she picks up Ganeda and just like tosses her across and her arms are getting all long and big right born again the seven become one and we see Nimue she's all she's like she's having a hard time she's all crazy she's covered in sweat and all this stuff and outside we cut to the tower and now everything's green out there too because it was red tinted when we saw it earlier I don't yeah. want to be that person but I am going to be that person the the depiction of her in the bottom panel here where she's it's a very severe face that she's making, and she's got beads of sweat, oh, and her yeah. hair's all flat. Like that is a very. I once okay. This is. I'm not gonna say anything. I I in my youth when I was you know like 
I'm going to be an illustrator. I'm going to be an artist. I'm going to draw and I'm going to paint, you know, and doing my little, little kid drawings in my early twenties and like would go to cons and try to talk to some of my favorite artists about it. Hey, do you have time to like, look at this? One thing out of my portfolio real quick, you know, they'd be really nice about it. And then certain artists would be like, yeah, sure. Let me take a little time and be like, hey, when you're doing um, foreshortening or when you're doing the specific angle of a face, you know, you can do like this. Here's a cool trick to like, and if you study more and if you do real life drawing practice, you'll, boy, if you just practice enough, you'll get really good at it. That was really helpful. And then one time I remember I sent an email to some artist, uh, I'm not going to say who, about, hey, what do you think of this? And it was a drawing of some female heroine doing fighting somebody else and the response back was you got you want to be careful that you don't make the face too uh angry or violent Mm. because when you're drawing women their faces shouldn't look like that because Uh, it's too severe right and like because i had had she's like fighting someone so she's like in the middle of a battle and she's like her face was very yeah you know Mm -hmm. and yeah. And I had thought like, oh, this is what I, that's going to tell the story of how right. much she's invested in this. She's, she's about to come down with this raining a blow on somebody. And this guy was like, no, actually, you want to be careful because her face is a little too severe. Her her, her expression is too. You don't want to cross that line. Right. Because uh, like and so it's like it was OK for like to to draw guys with faces like that but not and so then i realized like oh this guy thinks that female characters are just there to like look super pretty and right. be like why what and no so this is like again back to that storytelling thing this is such a severe this is a really it's a word i'm looking it's for. like an extreme expression it is very it's an but it's an extreme situation aggressive. she well no it's not aggressive she's transforming into a fucking dragon right stressful it's like scary. a Stomach ache times eight thousand. Right. Like she's, you know what I mean, and she's like distressed, yeah, anguished, something. But yeah. but whatever. All I'm saying is that it serves it serves as a story. It's it makes you feel like holy fuck, something fucked up is happening to her, and that's what we're supposed to feel. She's not just supposed to be a pen. Otherwise, it'd be so confusing. Like, is it fun to turn into a dragon? Probably not. Right, it's probably yeah. torture. So Yeah, we do really get the sense that she's being tortured, but I do like to linger on this panel a little bit longer because, you know, the amount of detail we saw yeah. how she was able to she remember when she told that little guy that made her crown to look at her and then there was that yeah. panel of just her eyes. Yeah. And here you can kind of see that her eyes are still glowing or there's like some glow coming from within her eyes. And then you can also see on well, her and it's kept it's it's off of her lashes right yeah Yeah. and then you can also see the engraving of the names around the the helmet helmet. yeah i really like that and the hair and the how how was you know like how how are you able to get that expression to be so expressive right yeah as an artist it's just very i think it's it serves the story very well and we cut outside and now this is fucking yeah now it's all it's all green tinted where before it was red and we see an image of the Agdra jihad right over the tower it's like into this dimension it's like a projection of it yeah and outside all the armies continues to chant the names of the three morgana they're flipping out Chapter four. So imagine if you had to wait almost a year to read the rest of this because The Fury was published as a three-issue miniseries from June to August 2011. So I think The Storm came out in 2010. Is that what I said earlier? From July to September 2010. And so now um, 2011. So we'd have to, we had to wait a while to get to this story. Oh, so this was coming out when I was at... Uh... 
Comic-Con in 2011. And that's when I got that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I remember you went to Comic-Con and I asked you because Mignola was going to be there. Yeah. And I was like, oh, please get me, you know, whatever sketchbook he's selling and, you know, whatever stuff. And so they had at Dark Horse at the table, they had this. Um, it was like a, a Hellboy mask. It was a paper mask. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it was like a free giveaway kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And it only had one eye. And the other eye was, um, like, one eye was punched out or something. And I remember uh, when you gave it to me, you were like, why does Hellboy only have one eye? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was like, well, you know, you have to read the comics. And here we are. How many years later? Uh, See, that was... uh, 2011. Yeah. So eight years ago. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Now you get to... It comes full circle. We're back at the tower, and we see the lightning coming down. And these witches are running out of it because I think like they saw her transforming into the dragon, and it, these three witches yeah. come running out there like they getting away from the that fuck shit. Out of there, yeah. Is this our doing? They say, and they yeah. look out into the Dummies. army, and one of them does say, "She goes, we set it in motion. It was the pig, his doing, not ours. But we could have stopped it." The but other we one, we could says. have stopped yeah. it. Yeah, that's a powerful message. Yeah, and they just look onto this crazed army that are chanting and everything. The sky is all green tinted and, you know, it's pretty scary. And as they're running out, they see a figure and they're like, wait, who's there? See his one eye? It's Odin out wandering the world. And we see this figure shrouded in just one uh, orange eye glowing from underneath the shroud. No, look at his hand. You see, he carries a hammer. Thor then. And we see the right hand of doom. And I really love this idea that the, the right hand is a hammer. We probably don't need to tell you who Odin and Thor are, but I did want to mention this part in the in Norse mythology. Odin gave up one of his eyes in exchange for a drink from Mimir's well, which bestowed great wisdom upon the drinker. Mm. So that that's where his eye came from. And then whenever Thor would cast his hammer at an, en- at an enemy, it would return to his hand like a boomerang, just like in the comic book. It also occupied a central role in rituals of consecration and Halloween. So it was also like a ritual device. In the Norse mythology, the hammer can be carried by anybody. It doesn't need to be just carried by Thor. I believe the hammer was just really heavy that it wasn't like an enchantment. Okay. It was super it was just, heavy. Yeah. It was like really strong. But hey, before we go on a little bit further, I just want to talk about how like the witches are like, did we cause this? And he's like, no, it was the pig. And so... And like even with Nimue all of a sudden turning into the dragon, it makes me think of like almost every single bad person who like tries to touch yeah. the dragon always thinks it's going to be one thing, but then it yeah it, it isn't, and they start to regret it. Oh it's, wait, this is bad. It's yeah. happened to so many of the characters. It happened yeah. to what the Black Flame happen? and Bromhead and uh, um, Into the Silent Sea. Yeah. Um, well, maybe I. Yeah. Will <laughs> have one. a different situation. Yeah. Like no. Like what did you think was? Yeah. That was gonna be. Yeah. So I, it's just like this. Is just another they example seem, of yeah. Don't fucking round with this shit. Well, they all seem to know that it's the beast of the apocalypse, right? Like, I don't understand how they don't. They're yeah. like, well, it's the beast of the apocalypse. Probably fine. <laughs> okay? Like, what? But I do like on this panel where they're talking about if it's Odin or Thor, how these two corner panels, like, they're continuous, even though the whole picture's not complete. Does that oh, make yeah. sense? No, right? it's, it's like uh, the, the, the cloak continues to move down to the bottom panel. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah, I really like that. And so we reveal, right, it's Hellboy underneath the cloak, and he's only got one eye now. Where is she, he says, and they point up into the tower. 
she alone up there, Hellboy asks, and they say no. And the work by Fagredo on this page is really beautiful. I love Hellboy in this cloak. Ganeda's with her, they say. And we cut to Nimue and Ganeda in the tower, and Nimue, she's crying, and she's saying, I don't want this. She's been so, like, commanding for so long, and here we get her with that little Clem Robbins dialogue that we see sometimes when characters are whispering. Want, you prayed for this, Ganeda says. You called, and they answered. The world turns one way. Even great Nimue cannot turn back the world. No, not like this, Nimue says. And she throws Ganeda out of the window of the tower. You called and they answered. Agdru Esep Jihad, the dragon from the beginning of the... And then she just gets skewered on one of those... On one of the spears that the army outside has. I just like that sound effect, that scrunch. (laughs) (laughs) Scrutch. Scutch. Scutch. There you go. I'm putting an R in there. And I really love this corner panel where you're looking in through the window at Nimue. Yeah, she's having a bad time. And her arms are all crazy long and she's like screaming, no. But I really just, yeah. that angle I think is really interesting. And, and we then, just see that lightning is yeah, crackling the last, all around. The last uh, panel is very uh, like the tower card. Yeah. Kind of I mean, usually it's depicted oh, as yeah. like a round tower, yeah. but this could also be kind of a different we I think, saw, take on it if you want. There was, um, man. There Change. Was an, there, the, Change, in, baby. In Almost Colossus, there was uh, another uh, yeah. panel that looked yeah. like the, to- the tower where lightning was hitting it. Catastrophic change. Yeah, but the tower uh, illustrates catastrophic change. I really like that. Good, good callback right there. Enough of this crap, Hellboy says as he removes the cloak. One way or the other, it ends here. We cut outside to the bar where Alice was. And where all the noble dead of Britain are. And they're still out there in the rain just surrounding it. Inside, Alice is sitting there with the sword with Excalibur. I can't believe this, she says. After all Hellboy went through, all I went through to get the sword, to just throw it away. What did he say, the lady asked, the one who was working the bar? He, Hellboy, you heard him. What did Arthur say, the lady says. And so Alice has a flashback to that dream that she, where she saw Arthur. King Arthur. King Arthur. (laughs) That was just a dream, she says. He said that my life was bound to his sword. What does that mean? I like her, the business of the spoon, where she's got the spoon this whole time. She's like looking at it. Oh, yeah. She's just kind of, yeah. She's um, She's kind of fiddling with it. Yeah, fiddling with it. And as all this is going on, all these monsters are coming down the tower stairs and Hellboy's going to have to fight them. So as they're talking... The bartender and Alice. She asks Alice to come over. Dear, come and have a look at this. That's young George Washbrook, 1914, right before he shipped off for the war. And she tells Alice that he was troubled. You see, he had two great aunts, Mary and Elizabeth Washbrook, who in 1879 took money from some foreign power to try and kill Queen Victoria with witchcraft. And so we get a flashback to murderous intent. This was one of the stories that we read in our Witchfinder episode. Oh, with Edward Gray. Yeah, yeah. Remember there was like a hand coming out of the cauldron with teeth on it or yeah, whatever. Super yeah. Good. And um they were throwing a picture of the queen into its mouth or whatever. Oh yeah, and there's a little asterisk over here. Yeah, and it, he stopped it. And the little yeah, the little footnote just explains all of that. All his relatives since, one way or another, had been bad. So he went off to France to prove that he could be otherwise. Yeah, I'm sorry. This incantation is ridiculous. And I love it. By the names and signs of the evil angels. (laughs) (laughs) 
the bad ones. Yeah. Not the good ones. We, we get this flashback. I, well, I think this flashback is kind of funny, too, because no, they're, good. they're all standing there and the, I guess, the general, whatever, he blows their whistle for all them to go out. And he goes out and he immediately gets shot in the head. Yeah. And he falls into the trench. Well, and that's, you know, uh, how it was apparently. Like I guess um, it's not funny, but it's, it's kind of funny. ironic that that would happen because it, that stuff like that really did happen. Yeah, yeah, You're absolutely. right. You're absolutely yeah, right. Like a, you know, that's that's actually a, a pretty good description of what it was like just like you know but the, trench warfare. I, yeah, I guess trench i guess warfare. i guess what i think is funny is that he's like everyone was bad and i'm gonna turn around and i'm gonna do something good and then it's like boom no he's dead. immediately yeah he was one of the you don't hear about the uh the fodder for the you know all the guys on the front line that just were mowed down immediately yeah and i was thinking 1914 so this was around world war one Definitely. And in 1914, that was when the whole front in Belgium and France had solidified into lines of trenches, yeah. which lasted until the last weeks of the war. There's like stories of you could throw an apple to a guy on the other trench right? And yeah. stuff like that or mm. whatever. And so, yeah, he died for his country. But he didn't die. He should have. But as he used to tell it, a woman appeared to him there in the trenches, even as the blood was draining out of him from a dozen ragged holes. And she shows him that cup, right? The the Holy Grail or the cup of life. He drank from that cup. And though it should have been impossible, he got well and he came home. And this panel where she's kind of feeding him the drink, I think, is really beautiful. Right. Then for a year or more, he simply wandered from Plymouth to the Western Highlands. Blackpool to Southwold. This has a really classic animation look to yeah. it. To me. I remember being young and seeing... I wish I could remember more about it, but there was a whole era of animation that kind of looked like Yeah. This. I know exactly what you're talking about. This uh, bottom panel here makes me think he, he looks like Tolkien to me. Yeah. <laughs> there would definitely random... be some rotoscoping involved. Yeah. I, I think. Sure, yes, exactly. It does make me think of that. Yeah. And behind him, is he um, in front of Stonehenge? Could be. Is that is that what's behind him right there? It could be. Oh yeah, absolutely. Could or a a hinge of some right. kind. Yeah. I love the detail of the um the acorns in the oak tree, but it's such a tiny little square. Oh, yeah. Little detail shot there. It's That's really nice. Really... It's like um it's like a mood shot, but yeah. instead of it making you feel like cold and afraid and ominous, it makes you feel good and relaxed. This whole page is gorgeous. Yeah. And the colors and everything. And he used to say it was as though he was seen all for the first time and a great weight was lifted off of him. And I do want to mention, so this woman that Washbrook sees, she may be Elaine of Corbinick. She's a character from Arthurian legend. She is the daughter of King Pelas of Corbinick and mother of Galahad by Lancelot. Oh. She appears in the prose Lancelot from the Vulgate cycle, but only fully emerges as a character in Thomas Mallory's the Mort the Arthur, which a lot of this has been based on as we've been reading it. Her first significant action is showing the Holy Grail to Lancelot. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I thought that that was interesting. One day he found this old place and bought it, and was content a long time to draw pints and tell his tales. And so he started this bar, and we see flashbacks of him telling about this story of the lady in white with the cup of gold. He grew old. He outlived a wife, children, and all his friends as the years piled on him. And we see this old man sitting in the window. He got a sense he was waiting for something. And just then we cut back to Alice and the bartender and she hears a noise from upstairs. Waiting for what? Alice asks. 
for something he felt was coming to him. What about Hellboy? And we cut to Hellboy just fighting Jeez. all these guys, and it's all like orange tinted, and they're all over him, and he's just like screaming. He told me to get rid of it. Throw it in a pond, Alice says. But it was put in your keeping for a reason. It's for you to decide what's to be done with it, the bartender tells Alice. And just then, somebody's coming down the stairs here. And I really love this. Uh, we cut over to Hellboy fighting these guys, and we can see that he's defeated most of them. And it's um just really awesome, the amount of detail and all these guys fallen. Fucking. Yeah. And Hellboy looks down at the weapons, and he sees a sword in there. And he's like, I think this suits me better. And it's like an axe. He grabs an axe, I really yeah. love yeah. that. And in my notes here, I put insert and my axe. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, we're cutting back and forth between Alice, what she's experiencing in this pub, and then Hellboy in the tower. And so Alice, she sees this old man coming down the stairs and this hooded woman, the lady in white, is behind him. Oh, my God, she says. And she's got, like, her, her ghost hands on his shoulders. Right. Kind of guiding she's him guiding down. him. Yeah, I really love that detail. And Hellboy, he finally makes it to the top, and he runs up there with the axe to Nimue. And I just love the motion of him swinging him throwing it. it. Yeah, he swings it back, and then he throws it, and it gets her right in the head. It knocks her helmet back. As this is happening, Alice, she hands the sword over to this old man to Washbrook, and he takes it from her. And uh, this is just all really beautifully paced as all this is happening. It just really gives a lot of momentum to this. And then we see Washbrook, he turns into a, a knight or something. He's king, right? Yeah. yeah. He's, uh... Uh, the lady in white is putting the crown on him and he's taken the sword. And now instead of this old man, he's in his armor and everything. Right. And then on the bottom, I really love this. So Hellboy knocked back Nimue's helmet. And as it falls to the crown, it becomes the three birds again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to the sketchbook at the end. Super interesting. Nimue Hellboy yells, not anymore, she says. And they're kind of flying away. Yeah, the three birds in the background. I really love that uh, continuity of that detail. It really just gives it a lot of motion and momentum. It's a good panel, man. Yeah, it really is. And in the bottom panel, we see Alice with George Washbrook and... Now he's surrounded by all these hooded figures and he's being served the golden uh, holy grail. Guess I don't really care who you are, Hellboy says, and he punches Nimue right in the face. It says crack as he punches her. Ah, but you do know me, she says. Rasputin tried to set me free the day you were born. He failed, but I forgave him. I held him close and guided his hand. And when he tried again, he cracked the wall of my prison. And that was in Hellboy's Seat of Destruction, as the footnote tells us. And Nimue throws Hellboy aside with these giant monster arms that she's got. Through that gap, I've stretched my long arm back into the world. I cast my shadow over all. No light. And then we see outside of the pub, George Washbrook has come out in all his armor and Excalibur. And he's commanding the those dead noble knights that are out there waiting. And he pours the chalice out. And I really love this effect, too. This is all really beautiful. Like he pours it out and it creates like this mist or this smoke. And as it goes over all the dead knights, they become men again. No hope. And finally, Nimue's madness and lust for power drew me out like a serpent to nest in her black heart. Now all that was mine in the beginning will be mine again. Hellboy, whatever you are, whatever you were meant to be, you've come too late. 
and Nimue now being possessed by the dragon, right? That's what she's saying by the Ogdra Jihad. She's just like smashing Hellboy around. And I, I like also- the panel with the the yeah. bird against this um this tapestry and uh Really where it well it's framed, framed really amazingly the, yeah. because yeah. while they're ho- where they're holding the the fruit the bird's head is right there yeah. too it's really good. um it's really beautiful nimue says listen to hellboy and outside the three birds they tell the army outside well, of the two, tower two birds oh two of the birds right two of the birds fly out there and they're telling the army listen the dragon commands go forth into the world of men and kill them all and the knights are just, they all raise their swords ready to fight. Yeah, one of those uh, soldiers is like, dragon. Yeah, what's a, what? Yeah. Is a dragon now, <laughs> Yeah, that's right. So the, the, I thought it was a lady. So the birds are also let, telling them now that it's the dragon who's commanding them. Okay. And they're like, go kill people. I'm like, all right. All right, sure. Cool. <laughs> and I just want to mention this before we move on. So Hellboy with the axe, especially in the beginning of the, the Fury, the Fury number one cover, there's actually this really awesome statue by Andrea Blasich. Mm. That's it's the cover of Hellboy the Fury number 1, but it's just a it's just a all gray statue. It's not colored, but it's Hellboy holding that giant axe. It's limited to 250 copies. Oh wow. And it's cool. based on a design by Mike Mignola for Hellboy the Fury. And it's handcrafted in the USA by the artist uh, Blasich herself. And it's officially licensed. So if you have like 400 extra dollars, you can get online and buy it. It's a really wow. awesome statue. I'll, I'll try and post a picture of it this week so you can check it out if you haven't seen it. Chapter 5. At the pub, Alice, she's seen all the um, all the lightning and she can hear the chanting of the three Morgana by the army. And she's like, what's happening? She loosed her army, the bartender says. They're coming. What kind of army can she have, Alice asks. Men have tanks and bombs. War rides at the head of it, the bartender says. Then just behind it follow pestilence and famine. And close behind them, death. And I really love this depiction of yeah. the four horsemen, right? So like war, he's like in this black armor and his horse is in black armor. And then pestilence and famine. Pestilence is like... He looks like a mummy, and it looks like there's bugs or f- stuff flying all around him. Well, and like the and the yeah. famine one is like a desiccated person and and horse, and then death is just this black corpse just following behind. Um, just really, uh, really awesome work. So I saw this image, and I thought of the image in the trailer where it's that guy destroying the bridge and he's holding his hands the exact same way. Right. Oh so yeah. I think we're gonna get to see death, and maybe the four horsemen of the movie. Maybe, maybe that's what that is. Well, it's three horsemen, and then one one of them has no no horse. Uh, right. Well, yeah. He he left his horse at home. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a couple of guys with coconuts behind yeah. him. There you go. <laughs> And the bartender says, it's the army of the apocalypse. War is only the beginning. Pestilence and famine will rule the land. Two-thirds of the people will die. The third that remain will be food for the creatures that come after. And I love we... how this is very, very obviously America. We made sure to drive right. that point home by putting a <laughs> bunch of American flags in there. Well, and I was wondering if this is Houston because there's all these like buildings and this... Th- we know that that's where these bat monsters came from. Not they came. You'd, you'd they see, came out of the volcano. If it if it were, you'd see half as many American flags, and they'd uh, be mostly Texan flags oh, yeah. at the <laughs> same height, which is apparently not even legal to do in any other state. 
but I, that's a myth. Apparently, it is that a really, myth? Apparently, it doesn't really matter. Ah, uh, it's a myth. <laughs> I'm I'm repeating a myth. Ah. Uh. Um. But no. Anyway, like yeah, it's uh, very like how they're just all in business suits and the monsters yeah. are just eating them. And I think scary. I think I see the book club gang in there over here. Is that yeah? <laughs> I would be like, wow, these look just like Guy Davis and Fregredo drew them just before getting my head bitten off or something <laughs> like that. And the bartender, oh, and Al says, Hellboy's army, the knights, listen. And so we cut to them and they're fighting the other army. We see the the dragon's army with the four horsemen with war at the head of it. The dragon wants blood. Yes. And then we see them fighting George Washbrook and his army. He, he's armed with Excalibur and the crown. Take mine if you can, but you will not set foot, hoof, or claw on English ground. This I swear, he says. And Alice runs out there. She's like, I have to see it. Come back, the bartender calls. She says, I've come this far. I have to. And then just then this lightning strikes this tree right behind her, and she goes flying. He said, dragon. What dragon? Alice asks. But that made me think, we talked about this, like, would you would want to see it, right? Yeah. Like, you'd want to run out there and see whatever the thing Well, yeah. Was. yeah. I mean, if you're going to die anyway, might as well see the, the thing. Might as well. Oh, uh, we talked about this on our Conqueror Worm episode because Herman Von Klempf was like, no, I want to see the dragon. Yeah, Remember man. All that oh, stuff. Right? Yeah. yeah. And then the uh, it cut, when it cuts back to this, the bird again and uh, the behavior of the bird, like cleaning, scraping the beak on the stone. Right. That's a yeah. behavior that birds do, and it's just a very illustrative i just really like that it's good and alice had asked about the dragon and the bartender says rebel angels created it darkness consumed it it was chained and cast out and all these millions of years it wanted nothing more than to be free to reclaim this world you feel it don't you who are you alice has how do you know these things all this time it's just been this bartender right. lady knowing yeah. all this stuff it's close she says and we see hellboy and the nimoys now become this dragon and i really like the way that they do dragons in this universe yeah. we've seen this in the iron prometheus and some of the other stories it doesn't have yeah. that typical dragon sure. reptile face you know well i don't think that most depictions of dragons have a reptilian face they have some sort of a weird horse face that mm. has like a hook on the beak okay and then it's like a weird you know what i'm saying like it's a very so yeah this is a very uh i, I agree with you i think i like it it's very original yeah, yeah. it's an original design Shall I kill you now, or will you see it through to the end, the dragon tells Hellboy. And he's like, screw you. Outside, Alice, they also come across Grogok hanging there. He's still hanging there, and they just run past him. But it freaks her out, right? She, like, lightning strikes, and they just see this dead pig hanging there. Well, Well, he's not dead, right? I said, screw you, pal. I'm just getting started. And here we get Right Hand of Doom Boom number 31. It's kind of crazy we've gone through this whole story and this is our first boom <laughs> yeah we got a lot on darkness calls i think we got like six against uh hellboy and kashi yeah then it's as it should be the dragon says and it continues to transform into more of a dragon given the way you lived i feared you would choose an easy death and hellboy's like what does that mean and we see one of these other crows i was gonna right? say well no if you're tracking it that's the crow oh that's the one that was sitting that's on that the singular yeah. crow and yeah. then the other two are off doing off doing right. bad stuff but that's they're the one like that hey was... the dragon's telling you to go kill people that's the one that was sitting in front of that 
in front uh, of the thing. Painting, well, yeah. that, and there it is, right there on the. Yeah, like, you we know, see he got it. Yeah. startled away from it and flew away. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love all that detail. It's like you. I don't remember ever catching that or tracking the continuity yeah. of these birds, <laughs> but it really does tell part of the story. Well, you really, yeah, you yeah. need to uh, know where these birds are. So I, I appreciate that they put, that they have that in there. Of yeah. Like, and then the bird is back. No, that bird was always there. Right. Kind of a thing. We're we're making sure it's a prominent part of the story. Is this kind of foreshadowing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the dragon throws Hellboy into this painting. This is better. It says it's right that you and I meet like this. Oh yeah, Hellboy says you like that, and he punches it and throws this piece of stone at it. Hellboy, your fall should be like the fall of mountains, but I was before mountains. And they just continue to fight. And all this is just really awesome. I mean, Figredo's just doing an awesome job with this fight of Hellboy and the dragon. And we get an awesome splash page on the next one as Hellboy punches it back. I was in the beginning and shall be forever, the dragon says. The first and the last. And it blows all this fire at Hellboy. It's just so awesome, the action in this scene. The world come full circle. You think you can fight me, kill me as you would a beast? I am not the wheel. I am the hand that turns the wheel. I am time the destroyer. We are bound together in that. And this fight just continues to go on. I really love how it tries to throw Hellboy out the window and it says slap as he catches the the window and then he jumps back in and he just like screams. It is so awesome. My verbal description doesn't do any of this justice. I do like the the whole, I'm not the wheel, I'm the hand that turns the wheel. Oh, yeah. I am time the destroyer. And Hellboy's like, geez, you got to shut up. (laughs) And we get right hand of doom boom number 32. Outside, the lightning is also booming. I was the wind and the stars before this, the dragon says, before planets, before heaven and hell. And when all's done, I will be wind again to blow this world as dust back into endless space. And we see that the lightning is starting to come down into the populated areas, right, where all the houses are. And on the next page, now the lightning is just destroying everything, right? We see it destroying the bridge. We see it destroying all these buildings. And because you made this choice to live like a man, in the end you will also be nothing, the dragon tells Hellboy. Here now with me, this is your only moment, your glory. When the universe marks your passing, it will be only for this. And now the lightning is just, like, destroying everything. We just see that it's totally ravaging all of London, England. And we know Kate's watching this on the news. Right. Yeah, (laughs) we do know this. We did see that flashback in the UN. Yeah, thank you. And so we also see, um, we see Big Ben here. And uh, just like we saw in um, BPRD Gods. That bridge is something, right? Yeah, I think that's Westminster Bridge. And Big Ben is part of the Palace of Westminster okay. in London. Right on. And um, as all this crazy, and I mean, it's just crazy how all this is going on. We see like all these swirls in the sky and just like storms of lightning are just coming down and destroying everything. It kind of makes me think of the Universal Machine where lightning yeah. came down and destroyed that whole town or whatever. Right. right. Back with Alice and the bartender lady. They come across this witch and she's like holding this giant stone that's tied to a rope. And she's like, we didn't mean for this to happen. Yeah. And the rope is tied around her neck. Yes. When Nimue came back, half of the witches of England threw themselves into the sea to drown. They were wise to do it. And we get this awesome cutaway of all these witches just floating in the water. 
just really detailed work. They are spared the horror of what's to come, and then this witch just sinks herself, too. Jeez. Yeah. Alice hears howling, and she's like, what's that? And the bartender lady says, the wild hunt. They smell the blood. What does that mean? And we see all the wolves from the wild hunt, and we also see King Vold, right? This yeah. is him. This is his wild hunt. And so we learned about him and all his wolves in the short story, King Vold, where Hellboy actually had to fight one of these wolves. Yep. It turned out to be like a berserker. Yeah, Viking berserker. And um, we also get images of all these witches that have drowned themselves with these stones. When Alice sees King Vold, he says, Doom. And he's just ginormous, right? Well, because the question was, what does that mean? And I think his response was, Oh, yeah, yeah. And she runs off. And as she runs, she trips over this root of a tree. And then she falls in all this blood. And so I think like people can't see the battle, this battle going no, on, yeah. but yeah. but she can. Yeah, like somehow she's she crosses the, that threshold. Yeah. Well, she's got that that fae, right? Kind of, and it's just this battlefield is just crazy looking. I mean, there's just dead monsters and spears and swords, just like a tremendous amount of work. And in this bottom panel, we see the two birds picking at the bodies. These birds, they kind of remind me of the battle crow motif from the legend of the Morrigan, right? In the legend of the Morrigan, she would turn into a giant crow called Battle Crow and go out there onto the battlefield and, you know, wreck people and stuff like that. Cool. And the being the three in one thing. Right. Where there's two that have this characteristic and then there's one that has another characteristic. Right, yeah. And Alice also sees George Washbrook, right? He's dead. And so... These maidens are like watching over him or something and they have Excalibur. It's like they're doing the British version of what Valkyries would be. Right. Except Valkyries are usually like battle ready, like warriors. And these are just very like long dress ladies. Right. Well, with all the the way that this has been tied in, I wouldn't be surprised if these three women are a reference to something. Yeah. They're but probably something that I don't. I, and and about, I didn't even right. think to look that up. So listeners, let us know. I thought that they were like connected to the lady of the lake. Somewhere. Yeah, probably. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They probably are connected to that. I have to look more into that. Hopefully our l- listeners can shed some insight. King for a day. The bartender says that's all he was ever going to be, but it was enough. A final victory for men. For at the last they were men again, the best men, now gone to their reward, and tomorrow's all lesser men to follow. And tomorrow all lesser men to follow. Old Queen Mab, she didn't tell you. This field, it's called Vigrid. And so this is Ganeda saying all this as she's skewered. I really like right, that. She yeah. fell down and she got skewered, but she still lives and she's telling Alice all of this. And we get awesome cutaways um, while she's talking of all this stuff. And in Norse mythology, Vigrid is a large field foretold to host a battle between the forces of the gods and the forces of Surtur as part of the events of Ragnarok. The field is attested in the poetic Edda, compiled in the 13th century from earlier traditional material, and in the prose Edda written by Snorri Sturluson in the 13th century. The poetic Edda briefly mentions the field as where the two forces will battle, whereas the prose Edda features a fuller account foretelling that it is the location of the future death of several deities and their enemies before the world is engulfed in flames and reborn. Yeah, and this whole thing, it's its written in the stars and the roots of trees. Like, that kind of reminds right. me of maybe, like, Yggdrasil and all yeah. that. Yeah. 
when Ragnarok comes, it will be here. And so we're cutting away to all these different things, but Hellboy's still fighting the dragon all this time. They're kind of smushing together a whole lot of different mythologies, right, which is yeah. pretty cool. And we get this awesome splash on the next page of Alice on the battlefield. She's looking up at the tower, and she just sees Hellboy on the dragon, and they're fighting, and it's just like this huge glow. And it really, right there, it kind of looks like the Project Ragnarok yeah, symbol. Yeah, Well, right? and like on, uh, what's it called, Rasputin's like, road Right, stuff, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The champion of man will battle the dragon, and that will be the end. And we see the birds again on the bottom. They have blood all over their beaks. Like okay, if you zoom in on the dragon, you can see a little silhouette of Hellboy. Yeah, <laughs> you can really see his right hand of doom, too. It's That's crazy. great. I like that detail. Awesome. Chapter six. As we open up, we see that everybody in England, they're all like running for their lives, right? It's just chaos as all this lightning is raining down. And we see these people like these two parents and they've got the two little kids and they're huddled and then the lightning strikes their house and we see that they're all getting electrocuted that's really brutal like i was like oh my god like people are dying you know what i mean yeah that was a pretty fucked up panel it's as it should be i was in the beginning and shall be forever time the destroyer we are bound together in that these are just really amazing as this blue lightning is just coming down and destroying everything and hellboy and the dragon continue to fight and is this, uh, I think this is Right Hand of Doom Boom 32, hmm. right? Is this? 33. Yes, 33. And so, it now, is it Hellboy booming the dragon or is the dragon booming into this building? Where's the boom coming from? Hmm. We'll call it 33. Because he's, he's kind of like swinging in the panel yeah. right before it. And then the next one, he's got his hand up like that, so... Yeah, it's got the it's got the and it's got that little motion with the fire. Right. So, oh yeah, you're absolutely right with the fire. That's definitely. Um, it could be a, a general punch. boom, which counts, I think. Yeah, I was the wind and the stars before this, before planets, before heaven and hell. And this art is just amazing. Hellboy gets thrown off the dragon, and when all's done, I will be wind again. And Hellboy's just like, "Come on, then, let's finish this." And the dragon comes down and bites him, and it says, "Crunch." Is so how the dragon is repeating himself or herself or, or itself? Yeah. Well, I think it's just reiterating the um, the the narration because of, uh, I think it's supposed to, because these were separated as issues. Oh, yeah. They were separated as issues. So, so it's bringing it's you back of, in. Yeah. It's no, bring, no. yeah. And, oh, but, I get it. But I think also, like, one thing that's interesting is before all of this was green and now it's like an orange, right. reddish, yeah. the dragon crashes into this thing into this building and Hellboy's throne and he falls on the ground. He's like, yeah, what are you gonna? And then it just steps on him. And it's got like this awesome, like reptile bird, you know, foot or whatever. Yeah, like Is a it... bird dinosaur foot. Yeah. Kind of. And it looks just really painful as it does that. And just amazing work by Duncan Fregredo. We see the dragon kind of rearing back into the sky. We see the Ogre Jihad behind it and all this green lightning and swirling and just all this crazy yeah, storm. Yeah, like the flame above his head and like the kind of black leathery oh, yeah. wings. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's really impressive. And the lightning just continues to destroy everything. We can see that some of the houses on the cliffside are getting knocked into the water and stuff like that. The whole cliff is collapsing. Yeah, it's like right. breaking apart the land. Yeah, it's it's brutal. <laughs> On the battlefield, Alice is with the bartender, and we can see the dragon and Hellboy fighting in the background. You're Queen Mab. Why didn't you tell me? Alice says. We heard you were dead. 
I am dead, girl. Dead and gone, the bartender says. And Ragnarok, Alice asks, the last battle, when the champion of man fights a dragon. Yeah, I heard that part, Alice interrupts her. But the woman made it sound like, like it was the end of the world. Nimue is the dragon, the bartender says, and now we know that she's Mab. Mab. Yeah, Yeah, we know that she's Mab. I like how also they're just standing on a pile of people's bodies. Yeah, that's true. I thought, I hoped that Hellboy would be able to stop her before this. He tried, but but the storms come, Mab says. Now it's laying waste to all Britain, and soon it will spread all over the world. Monsters long buried will rise again, and for a while it will be their world till all burns and we see all the Ogdruhem in the wasteland and we see the Salton Sea monster saying all that um, the language you, you <laughs> like that good, little guy yeah. talking I do like that he's guy he's not a little guy <laughs> maybe he is a little guy compared to all those other guys right but yeah I like uh, just thinking about what his voice would sound like in my head is <laughs> probably cuter than it was meant to be then out of the ashes a new world will rise Mab says that's Ragnarok not just the end but a new beginning But all the people, Alice says, everything will be swept away. Hellboy, Alice asks, no one could have done more, Mab says. But if he wins, he cannot win. And Alice just says no, and she starts going higher up and crawling over all these bodies to get up there to the tower. The world's run its courts, but it's not that it goes, it's how it goes. The dragon that Ogdruja had, it escaped its prison too soon. Hellboy fights to buy this world a little more time time enough for his friends to do what they must and in the background we get an image of abe liz and roger wow right so they all have things that they need to do right before this can end Um, which i thought was really interesting yeah i thought it was also interesting that they showed the abe liz and roger because that was the last people he really knew at the bprd other than kate yeah Uh, you're right but he doesn't even know roger's dead right yeah So that's kind of maybe Hellboy thinking, I'll try and hold this dragon off as long as I can in the hopes that these right. people are going to do something. Yeah, I, But I, I do like the narration here of, um, like, uh, you know, the storm is laying waste to the world, monsters are going to rise up, and it's going to be their world for a little while, and until it all burns. Yeah. And then out of the ashes, a new world is going to happen. Yeah. And she's like, but what about what's going on right now? And she's like, didn't I just tell you <laughs> that literally... That's going to go away that's and something else happen, is yeah. happening. And she, she can't even comprehend. She's like, but the people. It's like, yeah, but like all of it's going to be gone. And then a new thing is happening. That's right. what I'm trying to tell you right now. <laughs> so it's a very interesting, these two perspectives here of the scale, I think, of things is we can't really conceive of that. But Mab is like, well, that's just how it goes. And what she finishes here, she says, time enough for your friends to do what they must so that when the new world comes, at least the spirit of man will survive. Yeah. Right. So the BPRD still need to do something so the spirit of man will survive. And as Alice is running up the stairs, she sees Edward Gray, right? And he just tells her, hurry. I really like that. I just really... um, We're seeing all these figures from Hellboy's past. We saw the Baba Yaga. Now we see Ed Gray. You know, they're all coming back into the story. Even Mab is part of the story now. And then on the next page, as Hellboy is bleeding out under the dragon's God. foot, he sees Vasilisa. He goes, hey, kid, how you doing? Jeez. Uh, <laughs> she says, how are you? Is there much pain? It's like you said, it doesn't hurt. Because that's what she told Hellboy when she was dying. Yeah. yeah. 
You've come so far. Are you ready? Vasilisa says. And we see that she's holding one of those She's got that puppy. Yeah, she's got the crow. And she says, are you ready? And he says, I guess so. And it makes me think of when he was killed in the island and Moslomi asked him, are you ready? And he said, not yet. Right. Right. He's like, I guess so. You know. But yeah, she's holding on to that uh, that crow, kind of like petting. Right. And Alice gets to the bottom of the tower. We see Ed Gray is down there in the in the doorway, and she's calling out to Hellboy. And Vasilisa, she takes the crow, and it turns into a sword, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I like how the head of the handle is the crow's head. And as she gives it to Hellboy and it touches his blood, it turns to gold. So any yeah. sword that he's got is going to be Excalibur. Right, yeah. And she says, I'm so sorry. And she's crying as she um, after she's given Hellboy the sword. And Hellboy takes the sword and he cuts the dragon's leg with it or I, I, its ankle or whatever. I feel like um, Vasilisa is, she's got a part in this too, but I feel like part of it is also that crow chose to be that thing. Right, yeah. That crow chose to do that and be that. And that's right. really interesting. Huh. Because they, they started off as the helmet and yeah. then they broke apart. The yeah. crow chose to be that sword. Anyway. So, so yeah, why the, did why did two go out and one stay? We'll find out. Yeah, but he's, he's uh, cutting that dragon right in the right in the ankle there. That does not look. Yeah, good. and it kind of rears back. Yeah. We see that the dragon is in a lot of pain from that, and Alice still trapped in the tower. Now everything's like collapsing around her. Hellboy, he hangs onto the dragon and he's just stabbing it over and over with this sword. Uh. And there's just, like, a lot of cool motion. You can see, like, the ropes of blood or whatever coming back onto Hellboy. And the dragon's flying up in the air, and we can see that it's bleeding out where Hellboy stabbed it. The automatopoeia ends up being stabbed. Right. (laughs) Instead of, like, a chuck or something. It's, like, just stab. And he gets it, like, I guess right in the chest or something because the dragon screams out. And it stops blowing the fire and just falls back. And we see Hellboy is also falling back. The smoke that comes from the wound is an interesting touch. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. Hellboy lands. And we can see, like, if this was a movie, that would definitely be a superhero landing right there. Oh, yeah. And it's hard Al- on the knees. Alice, com- <laughs> <laughs> Alice comes behind him and she's like, Hellboy. And we can see the dragon looks like it's defeated, right? It's just like its body, it's all collapsed there. Alice, Hellboy asks, how'd you get here? Doesn't matter. I'm just glad to see you. You wouldn't believe the day I've been. And she's like, behind you. And Hellboy turns around and he sees this version of Nimue, but she's all white now. Uh, yeah, and she's got blue eyes. I think that's really, really interesting. Yeah. And he's like, what the? And she goes, right now, 500 drowned witches are clutching at my heels. They have me. They are dragging me down, she says. And Hellboy drops the sword, and we see that it turns back into a into bird. The bird. Play- yeah, yeah, I so love that. I, see, I wouldn't have caught all those details before. So that bird is operating under its own right power. Agenda. Yeah, and it's even still got some blood on it from uh, Hellboy's blood. Right, right. I think that's so cool. And if you look closely in the background, you see Baba Yaga and Ed Gray are also watching this yeah. happen. Mm. She says, they are dragging me down, but if I'm bound for hell, and she reaches into Hellboy's chest, Jeez. her hand goes right through him. 
I will not go alone. And she pulls out his heart and it's like flaming. And he's just like, son of a... And we can see that he's got a gash right there. And I guess that's from where he was cut earlier too. I mean, how many times has he been stabbed there though? But By the hedgehog? Yeah. And so Hellboy just falls back and he crumbles into dust. And we see his hand like crumbling into dust. And Obligatory Mr. Stark. I don't feel so good joke. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And Alice is just like, no. She runs at Hellboy. As and he this falls back. Fucking panel that we get. This whole page. The right. next page. This, it's amazing. You can see the I mean, see the cinematography. Yeah. But and also not even just that, just like there's something so classical about this. It's it's the one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Right. In any sequential art ever. Like this could just be a fucking painting. Yeah, the and 500 witches dragging The 500 witches, like, in. climbing all over each other and, like, reaching up, and she's got the fucking heart, the flaming heart, like, you it's know, just fucking... But it, it also makes me think of, because those witches, they were all, like, talking about it, and they were like, we could have stopped this. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder if finally they're like, we're going to yeah. all pull her down, you know, we're going to use our power, whatever's left of it, to... Hellboy did all the hard work, but we're going to make sure that she can't come back. Yeah. You know? It's like, just yeah. this gray... Yeah, light coming down, and then all the all the just it's indescribable. All the, like climbing all over each other and right. reaching up, and the it's there's something so incredibly classical about it. There's something just the composition of it. I don't right. know how to describe it. It's incredible. Well, and this bottom panel is her falling into hell too. Sure, right? Yeah. They yeah. so they did pull her down. They were able to get her down. And then we also see Hellboy's flaming heart goes down there. And then this last panel is just his um, his holster and his belt. Yeah. You know, they're just lying there in the middle of the smoke. And Alice is left there in the ruins of the tower, the dead dragon, and then the smoke from where Hellboy just collapsed. We cut to Morgan Le Fay's table and we see that all of the all of the um, figures are down. And the one that was Hellboy is just crumbled now. And there's blood on it, and Alice just kind of, she looks at it shocked, and then she just uh, starts crying, and it's just a very anguished expression. It's um, it's really tragic. I mean, it's the death of Hellboy, you know? Mm-hmm. When, when, yeah. we all, when we all read this, we didn't know there was going to be a Hellboy in Hell or whatever coming sure. later or whatever is going to happen. So um, it was really crazy, you know? It was advertised, this is going to be the death of Hellboy, you oh, know wow. what I mean? So, Yeah. And then as Alice goes back into that bar where she was, she sees that it's all like just overrun um, and decayed and, uh, you know, there's webs on everything. So it's been kind of untouched for a long time. And so Hellboy used to get be in a lot of situations like that, too, where right. he was yeah. like in, um, uh, what was that guy's name? Harry Middleton's house. Yep. And then when later, you know, when we saw it, it was just all just well, like this. Well, she's half in, half out. Yeah. No. Anyway, so she's on one plane of existence in this whatever uh, dimension, and then all of a sudden, she's so so it's thrown like back into the right other dimension. So once Hellboy died, it kind of snapped her out of it or something, and now she's back into the real world or something. Well, then, yeah, the quote unquote well, real world. Right. Well, I thought it was more of like a uh, kind of a like a fairy glamour kind of situation, and now that Hellboy died and the dragon is defeated, you know, Mab's not there anymore. Well, I think right. this is yeah. the glamour. Oh, you think the, the destruction? Yeah, I think the real world is all that shit that happened uh, just now. And this is the fucking glamour. Sure. It's the Matrix, man. Oh, no. Uh, and so as Alice is walking out on the bar, she sees Queen Mab's crown. 
Um, it's just sitting there, and we just see that she just starts crying. And we just kind of pan out. We see that the bar is, you know, it's old. It's still out there. And we just kind of pan out further into the woods. And we see Morgan Le Fay. She comes up to Grogok. Mm. He's hanging there. And she says, Pig, of all the players in this thing, you were always my favorite. I have a mind to spare you Merlin's curse. And Grogok's still hanging there. He says, please, I've seen what's coming. I don't want to be here for it. And she goes, neither do I. And she snaps her fingers and Grogok falls down from, from the thing. And we see from the grave of Merlin, he's like, Morgan. It's <laughs> great. You'll have to come with me now, Morgan Le Fay says. Where? You know, she tells Grogok, where such as you and I must always go in the end. He helps him up and is holding his little finger. And uh, they just they just walk off. So I think they're going into the fairy world where yeah. they said they're going down yeah. underneath the world and all this Head kind of cannon. stuff. They sit down to a nice cozy cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> On this bottom panel, we see um, the smoke rising from all the ravaged city and everything. And we kind of see just all the wreckage. But it looks like the storm's over. And we see the Palace of Westminster in London. And we also see Landseer's lion statues in Trafalgar Square. And there, there's these people kind of looking around and they see the lilies, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. From Hellboy's Blood. Yeah. 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 And that's it. The end, we just end on, on the vision of the lilies, right? And so for us, that's, that's how it ended. And then when it was released in a trade, there was an epilogue added. So in the collected version here... And it's Mignola, right? So we yeah. get some Mignola art. So that's nice. And we're somewhere in France. And it looks like this is the Heliopic Brotherhood or um, the Osiris Club. I think it's uh, No, it is the Osiris Club, right? So yeah. the lady is there. Yeah, because that, that lady's there. I always recognize her. And we also get a panel of the lilies there. Oh, and then they've got the, the scarab and the Egyptian right. mummy motif and all the... The, uh, of the uh, sarcophagus and stuff. yeah and all these guys are like oh dear yeah <laughs> so it would appear that hellboy was not the king whose coming was foretold by the spirit larzad impossible <laughs> we were so sure the hand all the other signs well i never believed he was the one one of the guys says yeah, and yeah. Like, liar you I, did that's where we <laughs> never believed that he was the one he was the guy we all did but he gave up the sword so what was the blade that killed the dragon? The woman says, It was one of the three ravens that made up her helmet. It was the part of Nimue that was still human, that hated and feared what she had become. So there is some good even in the worst of us, the guy says. It's a comforting thought. What became of Hellboy's hand, they ask, and she says it's his burden to bear. He wears it even in hell. What became of the sword Excalibur and the dragon the Ogdruja had? Was it really destroyed? Excalibur has gone back to the ages, beyond the reach of all men, and the Ogdra Jihad still lives. I want to think that the idea, like that Excalibur is not just this specific sword, but Excalibur is a concept. Right. That yeah. like travels, is interdimensional, and is some sort of a, you know, right. ethereal sort yeah. of like people, t- like the way that people talk about whatever, like the Holy Spirit. You know, like I feel like that's, right. Excalibur could be any kind of. But it, it in this specific world, it's like got to take the form of a sword and inhabits anything it inhabits is the power of Excalibur. I don't know. Is that kind of a, that's how I've yeah. always sort of thought of it. And behind her, we see an image of a snake. It was only a small part of the Ogdra had that entered Nimue, changing her into that creature. A small part of it died when she died. The thing itself is wounded, but it lives. So the future, they ask. 
The future of England is decided, transformed like that dagger, by Hellboy's sacrifice and blood. All else is a mystery. No lily. Here. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that was amazing. What did you guys think of that? Okay. Um, so extreme story. Well, you already answered one of my questions that I was going to ask. is like, did you know that he was going to die in this comic? So cause you said it was advertised as the death. Right. Um, but you didn't know. But Hellboy and Hell hadn't been announced yet. So that was. Yeah. Cool. So we didn't, you know, we didn't really know. And um, like, I mean. That's I, the fucking end? Yeah. Jeez. Well, I mean, but, BPRD was still going too. So it's kind of like, oh, well, you know, um, at, we know that we'll still see what's yeah. happened. But, but yeah, it was really crazy. Just seeing him fight the Andrew Jihad, which has been like hinted at since the very beginning of the right. series. It's actually kind of, I went home and read it like after we recorded the last episode and then I was just like, well, which is what made me want to reread everything to go back and right. just kind of like, you know, start from the beginning and it's just, I mean, damn. See, I, mean, I always thought though that when he fought the Andrew Jihad that it would be this big, like the thing out in space. Oh, yeah. This like yeah. huge, massive the proportions we can't even comprehend the the well, non euclideanness of it. I thought it was going to be like the seven dragons are going to come and like the like that thing we saw on the island. Oh yeah, I thought it was going to be more like that. Well, it's just uh, like one. Well, I mean, because like dragon. When, when we were going into the story, I just thought he was going to be fighting the Blood Queen. I didn't really right. I didn't realize it she was transformed be, into the yeah. I wasn't expecting the Andrew. Jihad that was really twist, cool, and so that was just kind of like it was super good. And I feel like had you know. Hellboy not one you probably would have gotten that crazy Audrey Jihad mm-hmm. from what we were, like, okay. it was like right. it was like the start of it because she, she kept changing and kept getting bigger that was the beginning that. Yeah. okay yeah and so um, in the sketchbook now in the library editions there's a lot more material that's than what's in the omnibus version and so um, what's really cool is Mignola kind of sketched out what Hellboy's death was going to be you know how the panels were going to be laid out and um, Fagredo says, Mike suggested treating Nimue's ghost as a white silhouette. And so it's ha- it's got the thumbnails on there. Um, the addition of the raven in the last panel completed the transformation of the drop dagger fashioned from Nimue's helmet. The fury is all about transformation, not least for Hellboy himself, he says. And there are some great sketches of this in the library edition. And there are also some really kind of humorous things in the library edition of the wild hunt and then in the library edition of this where they're trying to figure out that helmet i was showing danielle um Figredo really beat himself up in the comments about how he wasn't able yeah, to so do the helmet himself. he's and really I think hard on Mignola himself Mignola had to come in and and uh, help him with that and there's just a lot of really great uh, pages where he's laying out the battle between hellboy and the hedgehog guy we see that um Mignola sketched out some of those uh, thumbnails as well of how he wanted the action to go. And I think also um, that page that Danielle was going on about, um, Mignola also provided a reference from that. Yeah. um, Where Nimue is being dragged down by all the witches. It's just incredible. Yeah. 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 So it's really cool. It's really nice to look at the sketchbook and look at all those additional details. Has Mignola ever like... Like, really center, you talked about why he killed off Hellboy? I think so. Like, he talks a lot about he had a plan for Hellboy, certain things that Hellboy has to do. Mm-hmm. And part of what he has to do involves him going to hell. Okay. And okay. so that's how he, that's the only way that he could get there, right, is to, to die. Man, it was such heartbreaking. And they made it even, made it even more heartbreaking because 
him talking about going back to the BPRD. Yeah. And maybe that's why they added that character of Alice too to kind of give that some weight to of his death or whatever. Yeah. It, it was a great, great story. Hell, all the way from the beginning, like starting with Rasputin and the Nazis, which when you think about it, they really weren't that big of a right compared to all of this. Everything else. Um, it's like it's like they were they were kind of there in the beginning, and then all of a sudden they were just kind of like, "All right, we're done with you," <laughs> just like the rest of the world is with Nazis, bastards, fuck them. <laughs> all right, so the last thing I wanted to talk about was our results of the survey. So thank everybody who participated in our survey. On our last episode, we did talk about um, what were our we ranked our favorite BPRD stories that we've read so far. And for our favorite short story, Lesson and Issue, our readers put number three, Born Again, number two, Revival, and number one, Hell on Earth, Seattle. That's the one where Jarelko is talking to the cop. Yeah. Yeah. For the best single issue story, number three, Abe Sapien, Drums of the Dead, number two, Soul of Venice, and number one, Dark Water. That was the first Guy Davis that we got. Oh, you remember we were moving those bikes and that dark water flew out of the Oh, no. Yes, we were moving these old bicycles and it was, yeah. Oh, (laughs) the shirt came out clean. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. And then for our favorite BPRD story, this was the one that was the most difficult for us. I thought this was really interesting. Number three, Killing Ground. Number two, The Universal Machine. That's my favorite. And number one, The Black Flame. So, yeah, that makes sense. And then favorite non-Guy Davis art, number three, Tyler Crook, number two, Michael Avon Oming, and number one, Ryan Suk. Okay. Yeah, awesome. So I really liked um, I really liked looking at that, and thank you everybody who participated in our survey. You know, and so um, one of the other things, I'm so glad I remembered this right now because we were talking about this while we were moving, right? So Gods and Monsters is happening at the same time oh, this yeah. is happening, right? So Hellboy and Abe both died, or Abe went brain dead, and Hellboy died like almost at the exact same time. Yeah. If you think about the timelines. Yeah. So yeah. I thought that was really messed up. And when we were talking about that last week, I was like, holy shit, you just blew my mind. Yeah. <laughs> and they've both died before by being stabbed in the chest, too. Oh. Because Hellboy died in the island, and then Abe died at the end of Plague of Frogs, and then he came back. So I just like thinking about those parallels and where you know where our characters are if you frame it as the full you know story and we saw in bprd gods that they were happening at the same time so yeah i just thought that was really interesting and i can't wait to listen to all the listener feedback on this episode so we'll be back next week we're gonna take a couple weeks to read some supplementary material before we come back to hellboy and the bprd but it's going to be really awesome i'm excited to get into some new stories and take a break from this for a little bit. We'll let Hellboy's death just kind of sit for a little while. We'll just let that hang there. Yeah. And this Saturday, make sure to go out to your comic book store and support Hellboy for Hellboy day. Ah. All right. And we'll see you next time. And now Aubrey's going to say all the things. 
All right, so share us your thoughts on the storm and the fury. I'm really kind of curious to how you took Hellboy's death. Uh, you can send us uh, your feedback at hellboybookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find the Discord link on our Facebook page. And be sure to check out our friends at Mignolaverse.com. Also, want to give a shout out to Paul from Gartenhan. I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. For the amazing theme, we love it. You can find the podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Next week, we are going to be talking about Witchfinder, Lost and Gone Forever, and Beware the Ape. So, you know what to do. Going to get your back issues out, your trades, your libraries, omnis. Go to your library. Use the app. You know, beg your friend to let you read them over his shoulder. Just do what you got to do. And join us next week on the Hellboy Book Club Podcast. Thanks a lot, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm Daniel. And I'm Aubrey Loveless saying, you forgot your sword. <laughs> <laughs>